I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig. Presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5 The KSL Sports All righty, sports fans, welcome on in. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Scott Mitchell. Joining me is Jake Hatch. Uh, what you're you're like the guy of all trades, right? Sure. How should I officially say you, Jake Hatch, uh, producer of the DJ and PK show? Yep. DJ PK, exactly. Is that it? So I do every Come morning. on, there's more. You have a Saturday show. I do the Saturday show with Michelle Bodkin. Yes. I do a BYU podcast on oh, the daily. Oh my goodness, yes. Tearing it up. It's fun. Anyways, Alex Geary gone on secret assignment. Ah, Jake is that Hatch. Is, is, yeah. it, is it secret assignment? Well, okay. yeah, it's secret. No one's no one knows about it. So <laughs> fair enough. CIA, something to yeah. do with I mean, he doesn't kill people. We know that it's not that kind of job, but you know. <laughs> okay. That you're subversive. Aware you know, he's trying to like mess up governments and things like that. Sure. It's the it. thing he does on the side. Look, we've got a show today. Okay. Jazz play tonight. It's right here. It is, of course, the home, uh, radio home of the Utah Jazz. They play the, uh, I don't know, they play the Spurs again and again and again. <laughs> like, if the Jazz aren't careful, if they play the Spurs enough, they'll they'll play themselves into first place so here. Here's the funny thing, Scott. This is the third time this season so far the Jazz have had a back-to-back against the same opponent. Third time this year. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they they've previously faced, the, I think it was the New Orleans Pelicans, and maybe actually the Thunder as well, that they, they played two straight games against one, one another. Well, and it's, it's going to happen again here after this, because exactly. they're going to play OKC yep. twice in exactly. a row. Exactly. So. Yeah. Weird, weird how they work out that schedule. Oh, we've got Coach Tim Lacombe. He's coming on. Mitch Harper, our BYU insider. Uh, uh, and guess what else we got, folks? We got tickets. We are giving away tickets today. Three pairs of tickets. Three pairs of tickets, Jazz Celtics coming up here. I don't know in a couple of weeks. Jazz are on the road here for a little while, but uh, they'll they'll come back home. Just give them time. And of course, uh, got some NFL combine talk. A lot of guys from Utah, and uh, 
a lot of guys, Utah meaning the state of Utah, but also the University of Utah, and a lot of guys are actually, uh, well, they're being highly highly regarded. So it's a very interesting thing. We're going to talk about that. And that actually is the cut. The unquestioned, undeniable, unrivaled, top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Hey, our show is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein. G2G Bars are perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty and nutritious boost. I know I need that, and uh, I love G2G Bars. They're awesome. Of course, also, uh, our sh- the cut's brought to you by uh, Trajan Wealth. Call Trajan Wealth today, your local, trusted financial fiduciary, 801-899-7600, or visit their website at trajanwealth.com. All right, Jake, I'm no mathematician. <laughs> Okay. I'm no mathematician, but I do know this. The Jazz are 117. That's how many points they score. And you know how many they give up? 117. Oh, so they're right on they're right on it. Okay. You know what their record is? 31 and 31. 31 and 31. I mean, I'm no mathematician, <laughs> but does that stat mean anything to anyone? I mean, you know, I just I mean, I just pulled it out of my hat here. It's kind of funny that I think like okay, they're they're sitting at 500. And they give up as many points as, many, as they score. It's just kind of the symmetry. The symmetry yeah. is fun. Yeah. So the jazz giveth and the jazz mm-hmm. taketh away. All right. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who uh, is uh, on the NFL Network, uh, talking about Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from the University of Utah. And, of course, the combine is going to start this week. Uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the combine. There's a lot of people that think it's absolutely worthless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It actually started. Its origins are fascinating. How it all started, and we and I, I'm certainly happy to share that with you. But Don Kincaid, a lot of folks are saying that they believe he's the best tight end in the draft. He, yeah, and that's the thing about this is so uh, this morning on DJ and PK with Cam Miller, a guy that you're familiar with on this show, you've had him on a number of times. Uh, he said that the ceiling for Dalton Kincaid, he think he could be tight end one, like be the top tight end in the draft. Well, he he kind of couched it saying he could be. Daniel Jeremiah upped the ante though with what he said. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, um, you know, you you watch uh, Dalton Kincaid, which I I've re- I've watched, and and he's a guy. He, he's one of those. He's he's the tight end version of like Josh Allen. Sure, you yeah, know, there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like talent there. There's a lot of and so I can I can see this whole idea of I don't know the uh, you know the kind of growing into a body kind of thing and and he he hasn't certainly reached his prime because he I, a couple of things happened you know he got better uh, just because of you know his his abilities and you saw how tough he was during the season and where he played and played injured but when when Brant Keithy went down he became a much more prominent role in mm-hmm. in the offense and and in some regards it's almost like cam rising relied on him maybe too much and looked looked for him too much but you know it's hard it's hard to argue with the production and and what kind of player he, you know he actually is well and the thing about this is uh, is mike garofalo i believe who reported this that he suffered a small fracture in his back during that colorado game yeah played through it in the pac-12 title game and obviously he had to sit out he set out the rose bowl 
that screams to me that this dude's an absolute gamer. That's the thing about this. This dude will will put on whatever it takes to get out there on the football field. Uh, now, as a result of the rehab from that fracture, he's not doing on-field workouts at the Combine this weekend. But the, the on-field workouts for a guy like this, they're almost secondary in a way, Scott, because you mentioned the fact that he, you feel like he's kind of like a Josh Allen type. You, they have all the film they need to see. They saw him against USC they, twice. They, they've seen him against Power 5 defenses all season long. They can go back and compare that tape and say, okay, what changed from the, the, the period before the injury to Brent Keith and what happened afterwards? And really, if you watch it, you're going to see him take a step up because he yeah. realized, I've, I, my, my star running mate over here is done, so I've got to take it to the next level. And that's exactly what he did. And NFL teams are really lucky to have this kid on their roster. I, I think I think one of the things with, with Dalton Kincaid, and, and by the way, in this segment, we're actually going to talk through some of the other guys mm-hmm. that are in the uh, draft, uh, really uh, the kind of the top prospects here from the state of Utah. But Dalton Kincaid, um, the first thing that ever really stood out to me when I watched him was his ability to – uh, you know, catch the ball in tight situations. And, sure. and, and like, it's one of those things, and I'll tell you, as a quarterback, when you know you can throw it to a guy in a certain spot, he, he's get, they're just, there's just some guys that can catch it and some guys can't. It's like, it's like defensive players. There's some <laughs> guys that can blitz and get to the quarterback, and there are other guys that can blitz and never get there. And they can, yeah. they can not have anyone block them and they still don't get there, you know, and it's just, and so there, it's it's you know you talk about that gamer mindset, and that that's what it is. Is when you know that you get the ball near this guy, he's going to catch it ten out of you know eleven times. I mean, it's just he just he's going to be a a real steady influence. And then you see the athleticism and his ability to run and and to move with the ball. And there's comparisons, and you know people get all weird if you start comparing players, yeah. but. But it gives you an idea of kind of the type. It's a Travis Kelsey and a Zach Ertz kind of you know type of player. He's, he's a little bit of a hybrid tight end, sure. not that you know necessarily tough, tough in the trenches, going to block. I mean, he'll, he'll I'm sure he'll be plenty efficient at blocking, but he's he's definitely an offensive or an offensive minded. Did you like how I said that a little a little yeah. offensive? Uh, but uh, he's a guy that, that can uh, he can be a playmaker for you on offense for sure. Well, that's the thing about this is he has got all of the traits of the great tight ends in the NFL right now. You can look at the Travis Kelseys. The I think the in the yeah the quote from Dan Jeremiah he mentioned Zach Ertz in, yeah. in part of the comparison. Those guys. Yeah, while they may not be the Rob Gronkowski's of the world, where they're going to be just as capable blocking as they are receiving the football, they're still getting the job done in the blocking sphere. But more importantly, their job out there is to be an offensive threat in the passing game. And that's exactly what Dalton Kincaid's going to offer to a team. He's getting first-round love, absolutely deserving of it, because this is a guy who has all of the skills, that, at least on paper, to, I think you and I are in agreement, that scream to you, okay, this guy could emerge as one of the top half, if not top ten tight ends in the NFL in relatively short order. You know, you get on the right team. Sure, and it's gonna be scheme's gonna be a big and part of it. Where you can you can scheme your way into a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And and there and I think one of the biggest mismatches you can get is a tight end on on some kind of def, defensive back and maybe it's a small safety or you know a a, a nickel corner uh or even a linebacker for that matter. Yes. He he's a guy if you do it right and you have the personnel to do it right 
then you can create mismatches and and he could really flourish. You know, you, you really could because t- there's a pecking order. Like like what people need to understand, there's a pecking order, right? Not all defensive players are made the same. No. And so if you have a really good offensive weapon at wide receiver, that's going to draw typically the best cover guy. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes down the line. So you have two or three really good offensive threat weapons. Your tight end typically could be num- the number three option. And and he's gonna he's gonna draw the short straw. You know, whoever gets sure. him is gonna be that guy. And it, and and that's that's how you win in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like you you go around. I'm just I'm educating you here. If you yeah, no, I, if you're I, interested, I like this. yeah. When you're behind the center, you go. I got all these options here. Uh-huh. Where do I have the best probability of having a guy get open? Like, why make it hard on yourself? And and what and what what happens? is it psychologically just wears on a defense. Sure. I remember we ended up, Brett Perriman, and we were playing the 49ers, and they had uh, they had a guy, Marcus Pope, yep. who was, who was yeah. a, he was a safety, really, okay. in his ability. But he was playing. But he was playing corner yeah. on Brett Perriman. Now, Brett Perriman was, was really 1A as far as our options. Mm-hmm. And I remember throwing like he had like fifteen throws his way in a game. I mean, I think I threw to him five times in a row. Okay. And you could just see that like and they, they were all completions. It wasn't yeah. even hard. Uh so when you get a guy that has that ability and if you do it right, you know, you, you can have that, which which Dalton Kincaid potentially could be that guy. Because that's that's what all these teams do. That sure. the teams that have the good tight ends are the teams that, that have other weapons that create you know, because because we sit here and we go, well, he could be good, but he could also be bad if he gets on the wrong team and he's he's the only guy and the only option. Well, let me throw one thing at people. We all know the Kansas City Chiefs and they just won the Super Bowl title. Well, they dumped Tyreek Hill and he got big money from, from yes. with Miami and everything. So good for him cashing in. But I remember the talk. What is Andy Reid doing here? Yeah, like he he is gutting part of his offense, getting Tyreek Hill out of that offense. Well, what did he do? He retooled it. They obviously brought in some receivers like Nicole Hardman and J- Juju Smith-Schuster, but the focal point of that offense went to Travis Kelsey, their yep. tight end. And guess what? It worked just as well, if not better. And so <laughs> They won a Super Bowl. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes is an MVP, throws uh-huh. for more yards than he ever has. Uh-huh. And, and in some regards, that's that's that situation. I know, I, know the, the, I love talking about this, but yeah. that's, that's where Patrick Mahomes – becomes maybe not so dialed into one guy, sure. right? And maybe even Andy Reid isn't as dialed into one guy. And we really got to, you know, because Tyreek Hill is a fun guy to dial into. I mean, you're going, oh, yeah. I'd throw to the him. Fast, the fastest guy on the field. Many yeah, times absolutely. as I possibly can. Yeah. I mean, he turns a short route into a touchdown more than <laughs> I think anybody. So, yeah, uh-huh. it's exciting. But, yeah, having that well-balanced offense uh, – you know, and the teams that are smart and the teams that win figure that out and they know how to do it. All right. I just want you to mm-hmm. pick out of this list okay. who you think the best next option, doesn't matter, BYU, Utah, but who's the next best option you think that'll that'll go off the board next? Best prospect after, okay, so after. Or, hmm. or he could even be a better prospect, but I don't know. I, I don't think he's, I'm not going to say better because I think Kincaid is far and away the best prospect in this, yes. as a crop out of this state. Now I've got two names in mind. I, I, I've got a t- essentially I'm gonna be like two A and two B for me. You're a BYU scene. guy, aren't you? Uh, I forget. One's one's a one's a Cougar. Okay, just I'm, so two A is Clark Phillips. Yes. Two B is Blake Freeland. Yes. 
because I tell me about Freeland. So Freeland is a he's an athlete at at, at, at heart. This yeah. is a guy. There was actually a funny thing. There's people that are trying to correlate, and they actually did research on this. Every year, they actually go through guys' backgrounds and they pull the shot put records for oh. guys who threw the shot put. And there's a correlation if you are among the best, if not the best guy in your draft class in the shot put from your high school days, that it translates usually to you being a fairly good player in the NFL. It's, it's complete nonsense, it feels like, in many ways. But Blake Freeland in this year's draft class has the best shot put throw. He actually had the state title at 64 feet and change oh, wow. at Harriman High School. Yeah. His parents are both former dual sport athletes at BYU. He never played offensive line before getting to BYU. I, ca- I called games of his in high school. He played tight end, quarterback, a punter at one point, never played offensive line, goes to BYU his first year, and they told him, hey, you're going to be playing offensive tackle for us. They put him in there as a freshman at right tackle against Boise State. If you remember when Baylor Romney made his first career start for BYU, well, his right tackle was also making his first career start, and it's Blake Freeland. The next year, he moved to left tackle, replacing Brady Christensen, and Brady Christensen, who was a third-round pick for the Carolina Panthers, is now starting in the NFL. No drop-off whatsoever. Yeah. Blake Freeland's going to go to the combine here. He's going to show like a freak because he can run. He's got great explosion in his lower body. NFL teams, if they're going to go simply with the whole Al Davis, like, ooh, that guy can run fast, a guy like Blake Freeland's going to fly up a draft board if somebody's going to do that. Well, that's what they do. I mean, well, the biggest surprise to out. me, yeah, the biggest surprise to me um, when, when I w- went into the NFL, mm-hmm. everybody's good. Oh. Like at every position, like – I grew up where, like the you know the the drop off was on the offensive sure. defensive line. Yeah, like the non athletes, it's like, hey, okay, you're kind of big, but you know, you're not. <laughs> the thing is, is those guys on the offensive line are as good as an athlete as anybody These, on. This is the elite on the field. of the elite. It's it's. Ins- I remember yeah. Jerome Curse. Okay, and he ran. Uh, he chased down. I was playing for the Baltimore Colts or the Ravens. Ravens yeah. And Priest Holm was running down the left sideline, and Jerome Curse from the other side of the field chased him down. Jeez. And and I was just like, okay, that that's <laughs> like those guys, because <laughs> I could run fast, yeah. but it, I couldn't run that fast. Like when guys started getting into the league like that, I was like, nah, I'm probably going to get hurt out here. Sure. I, I'm too old for this. Well, and to Freeland uh, on Freeland's point, he may not be the most refined offensive lineman yet. He's only got four years right. of playing offensive yeah. line. But the physical tools, the arm length, the height-weight combo, the athleticism, all of it is going to scream to yeah. an NFL team or multiple NFL teams like, we need to get this guy in our system. Yep, and uh, and he's one of those you know high-ceiling, yes. very much like Dalton Kincaid. You know, you you brought up. Well, this is flying by way too fast. We may we may <laughs> we, come back. we may extend this into the next the next segment. Uh oh. Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy's shaking his Jeremy's head. Jeremy's shaking no, his head. No, you will not do that. You will follow the rundown as I, like, as I wrote it out. It's you like, guys can do what you want. It's fine. We have great stuff. You're doing amazing. It's like I called a fastball and Jeremy said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Shook you off, yeah. Shook me off. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, it's spring uh, training wow. time. Uh, I better hurry up and pitch, though, because, uh, you know, they got a clock on me now. <laughs> so you, you brought up a, a point, mm-hmm. and this, this is the, about kind of the, the um, scouting assessment of people, yeah. right? And people pick up on. You know, the kid was, you know, his parents, this, that, you know, play, you know, shot put all these little things that don't necessarily have anything to do with a sport. Right. It's trying to find out who, you know, what what is this person, you know, and all these things. I I was a free agent and I was going to sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so Gil Brandt. All right. Yeah. 
who is like the father of yeah, like, like of the scouting and and the no, and he's the, the godfather, right? He's all, yeah. the, he's the guy, right? Yeah. I'm I'm in the facility, and he comes up, introduces himself to me. Sure. And he and he said, you know, I and I knew who he was and whatever, and and he goes, boy, I remember when you came out of Utah, and he goes, I loved you. Okay. And he goes, you did something, and do you know what it was that just really stuck with me? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I'm just like, you know, because usually they go, you made a throw in this game, or you did this, sure. or something like that. And he said, you were a Mormon kid that grew up in right in the shadow of BYU, related to Lavelle Edwards, and you told him no. <laughs> Good point. And he goes, that's a guy that I knew could handle, like, you know, tough situations and handle the scrutiny and handle some of the pressure that you deal with as a quarterback. Okay. And I was like, you know, I never I never really thought, because it, it was a, a tough decision, and, and I took a lot of flack for it down the road from certain people, but I it would have been the last thing in the world. And that was part of what he wrote up as a draft like in his notes. In his notes when wow. when I was drafted, but that's the kind of thing, you know, that that folks folks actually look for. Fascinating Crazy. stuff. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the makeup of of Blake Freeland and how he is, you know, his body type, the athleticism, like it 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 translates definitely to the NFL. It'll be curious, you know, to see kind of I don't know where where he ends up with anything. Can we do one more? All right, let's talk about Clark Phillips. Yeah, um, what jumps off the, the the table with with Clark Phillips with you? Production, despite being non ideal, not ideal sized. Right, that's the that's the challenge is the size. Because that's the thing about this is uh, NFL these days wants a six foot one, six foot two, six foot three cornerback to counter the big wide receivers they're going up yeah. against. Clark Phillips, I'm going to generously say he's five foot ten. Yeah, like. They want Sauce Gardner, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah they want Sauce Gardner. Yeah. But the thing about this is what I love about Clark is every time you had one of these quote-unquote big-body receivers from USC on down the line, Oregon, et cetera, what did he do? He went out and played man-on-man man with those guys, with the best yep. guy, yep. and won more than his fair yep. share of those battles. That is what an NFL team is going to like about him is, yeah, he may not be your ideal size, and he may end up playing your slot cornerback spot in certain defenses if that's who, what team yeah. picks him. But you know he's going to compete, and he's going to win more than he loses. So <laughs> I've had so many people say what you just said, right? Yeah. And it's accurate, 100% accurate. Here's what really makes me nervous about Clark Phillips. Okay. The dude does not want to play in the slot. He he he. See, I know, and and there was a lot of consternation because they put him in the slot I in remember. some situations, yeah. and it did not go well. Like it was, it was like, okay, kind of like I'm not a slot guy. I'm I'm an outside guy, and and it'll be interesting when he gets to a place where you know he's not on scholarship anymore, and they're like, well, you can play here or not play at all. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that he's a slot guy. I he's got, he has the makings of a guy that would play in the slot. There's no question about sure, that. Sure, the physically yes. screams that he'd be a slot but guy. But to your point, and I think it's a it's a great point. He was very productive as a, as an outside corner mm-hmm. and playing on an island, and you know he had great instincts and he he great. I think closing to the ball was just 
probably the strongest suit I think he has. The thing that I guess really stood out to me was his ability to like he earned every interception that he oh, got. Yeah. Like it wasn't fluke passes, you know, just like every interception it wasn't was a tip drill. No, yeah. it was a great play, great position, and probably could have had who knows, you know, um, maybe maybe you know maybe more. I don't know, but uh, certainly just just a, an amazing talent for for sure, and a guy, a guy. The question is: Is does is he a guy that ends up going in the first round or not? But he'll go early. He, he will go early. He'll probably, he's probably a day two guy, but he's going to make plenty of money. There's no doubt about that. Man, you you be a you, all. You, all you have to do is be a free agent, and you make a lot of money. Yeah, it's, sure, it's insane. Anyways, the the combine is this week, and I hate the combine. Hated it when I was a part of it. It's a traumatic, terrible experience. I think it's the biggest waste of time in the world, and I think it it becomes big because we want football. Oh, yeah. Like I think the only reason the combine is so big is it's just it's just an opportunity for people like us to talk about what we're talking about. But I'm really not. I'll tell you more about it when we come back. Okay. All right, we're gonna take a break here. Um, it is unrivaled, ninety-seven-five DKSL Sports Zone. We come back. Oh, the Pac-12 is can't help but kind of get in its own way. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. It's not show, all right? Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All righty, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I am Scott Mitchell. He is Jake Hatch, who is the producer extraordinaire for DJ and PK in the mornings here on KSL's uh, Sports Zone. The KSL Sports Zone. Mm-hmm. It's the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, anyways, and of course he has a podcast, BYU podcast. Mm-hmm. He's got a... Sa- is it the Saturday show? Do the Saturday show it's on Saturday mornings. Saturday show. You know I was on that show last week. Were you now? Yes, I was. I uh, was during the All-Star, ga- uh, All-Star weekend, we were... Sitting out there, freezing our tushes off on Saturday morning Meanwhile, while you were basking in... I was in Southern California. Yeah, you dirty <laughs> rat. I didn't know you were filling in. I appreciate you doing that. No, it was fun. We had a good time. We had Lloyd there yeah. and Michelle and Alex and 
Lots of crazy people joined us on the show. It was a fun time. Uh, does your home need a new look? RGS Exteriors can give your home the look you want with stucco brick vinyl or James Hardy siding. That James Hardy siding, that's where it's at. Anyways, get to look that new look by calling uh, 801-280-3110. That's 801-280-3110, RGS Exteriors and Construction. Uh, Jake, uh, we had a lot of other folks who, well, can we just talk a little bit about a lot of things? Sure. Actually, can we talk about, uh, I, I want to talk about Jaron Hall. Okay. Is that really, that's really, that's kind of all we need to talk about, right? Sure, Maybe Puka. Not? Let's talk about Jaron. Um, tell me, uh, what do you think about Jaron? Does, does Jaron play in the NFL? Yeah. Is he okay. a guy that ends up playing in the NFL? Does play mean like start to, in your mind? Well, eventually, yeah. I think he's a guy who's capable of developing into that. But the problem, I think, for a guy like Jaron is there's a specific type of offense that's going to have to be built around him or fit his skill set, if that makes sense. Yep. The one thing I like about him is he's got a very good knack for understanding pressure in the pocket and getting out what he needs to. But uh, I've talked actually, I, I've talked with two people about this, actually, in the, the last couple of weeks. The one knock on him is he does not see the middle of the field well. And that is direct pointing at the fact that the lack of the production with the tight end unit at BYU. Yeah. When you have an Isaac Rex, who is an NFL tight end in my mind, and the lack of production he's had with guys like Jaron Hall as his quarterback, that's, and they're NFL, like I said, these are NFL people who know him far more than I do, and they pointed directly to the fact that, that he does not see the middle of the field well. So there's going to be an offense where he's able to attack on the edges of a, of a defense more often, or he's going to have to learn how to see the, the middle of the field. But being almost 25 years old... You'd think he would have figured that out by now. Well, it's an interesting comment because typically when you learn how to play the position of quarterback, yeah. you really learn it from the inside out. Exactly. It's the easiest uh-huh. progression because your eyes are just looking at it from Correct. the beginning. It's actually harder when you're throwing to, to the outside and down the field. Uh, those are those are scary throws unless you're just throwing go routes, and that's that's a whole different deal. But <laughs> that's not uh, that's not the NFL game. No, it's it's really not. And and with with the way tight ends are. Um, involved and and really with schemes, a lot of schemes in the NFL uh, attack the middle of the field very efficiently. And uh, you, you know, I said this at the beginning of the year, and it was it was it's been a little bit mystifying to me mm-hmm. with Jaron. We had him on for two years yeah. on our show, and and I'm just like, you have you have you have it. You have the arm. Yeah. You have the athleticism. And and it just felt to me like he played everything too close to the vest. You In know, some ways, yeah. It, it, it's like, you know, because he and he talked about, you know, I just I got to manage the game well. And I'm just telling you, in the NFL as a quarterback, you got to just kind of let it fly. You know, you just have to let it fly. And 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 he just has this scary ability mm-hmm. that he can extend plays. And I just didn't see enough of that from him. Um. And I just, you know, it just felt so often that he was always trying to say the right answer instead of just being, just just go be this great athlete and just let it fly. You know, it's, well, I'm just telling you, it's just a vibe I picked up there's, from all this time with him. And yeah. I really hope that he can just do it because I think he can, I, I really do think he can make it in the NFL and, and be an effective player, quite frankly. Well, just, he needs to let loose at times. There's one thing I love about Zach Wilson, and it showed it at BYU, and he showed it at times with the New York Jets, and it got him in trouble with the New York Jets, 
is he's got a little bit of this gunslinger mentality at times where it's like, oh, I can make that throw. Watch this. Yeah. And Jaron Hall, he's got the ability to be that because he's, right. he's got the arm and et cetera. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he, he wanted to operate too much within the framework of the offense yeah. and prove that he could be – like sometimes Jaron – Go out there and let it loose. Turn yeah. it loose. And that you're right. He he needs to prove that. And it'll be interesting. I, I think he's a guy who's a mid-round pick. I, I, I've kind of pegged, I think, the fourth or fifth round. I think it's where it kind of lands. And that's a point where an NFL team takes you with the thought that two, three, four years down the road, they develop you into something or they just move on. I'll tell you the, a place that would be amazing for him. What's that? It's Philadelphia. Ooh, okay. Working with Brian Johnson as yes, his OC. Brian Johnson and 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 Jalen Hurts sure, and just yeah. being in that, I just that would be a good, a really good fit for him. I think because he needs he needs to see it, he needs to see it done well, mm-hmm. and he needs to be with a with a in a good system and a and a and a and, and, a, and you know and who he, knows he where operates he may. better from the shotgun too, which yeah. is what the Eagles almost exclusively yeah. run. So yeah, I, I like that actually. I think it'd be a very good spot for him. All right, can we switch gears for just one moment? Sure. So Oregon State President uh, Jiathi Murthy. About as good as well as as I would have done. Amen, brother. (laughs) All right, uh, talks about uh, the Pac-12 and this TV deal. Mm -hmm. And when I hear this, okay, it just it's like chalk or fingers on the chalkboard for me. And I believe that this is exactly why the Pac-12 – is in the in the predicament that it's in. Help me if I'm wrong in this, okay? So um, he, he's kind of talking in general uh, about some of the, you know, what's going on. And so the possibility of having unequal revenue sharing in the conference moving forward. And and almost like that may be the, the caveat that keeps an Oregon and Washington in in the conference. Okay, this is the first time we have heard one of the – and this is from an insight. This yeah, is, President yeah. Murphy has a vote. Yeah, This is one right. of the 10 people who will make the call on this media rights deal. This is the first time we've heard them actually say, we have discussed unequal revenue sharing. And that points directly to Oregon and Washington, keeping yeah. them happy and Has keeping to. them in the yeah. fold. Here's the thing. It may keep you together in the short term, but there is going to be tension and some resentment from other programs who give up part of their pie to give the extra pie to these bigger schools. This screams to me, this is a, I'm with you. This is kind of what the Pac-12, where they put themselves in this predicament. This, to me, is not the way to go about fixing the problem. No other conference, no other no. school. I mean, you have schools. You could argue – Ohio State and Michigan should have an unequal share of revenue in and the Big Penn Ten. State and I mean, Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, I mean they're you know I yeah. mean a- any of these you know places. You R- could, Rutgers you're... and Maryland don't deserve the same amount of the pie as Ohio State and Michigan. Sorry, right? right. But, but but they get it. No one else is arguing this. So why are you even having this you know this discussion? And then they, he talks about geography. Mm-hmm. So basically, everyone is on the left coast of the United States. Uh, you know, it's in the it's in the Pacific Mountain time zone. Hello, San Diego State. And right. And so it's the culture, it's the geography, it's the academics are big time important, um, like, I guess, requirements for a team to come into the conference. 
And that's kind of been the whole thing of the Pac-12 for years is they've always been like, okay, you have to fit a certain mold to be a member of this conference. But right now, it's you got to find who you can get because San Diego State seems like a perfect fit. So are you going to go to 11 and stick it there? Or are you going to try and shoehorn SMU in here? Or are you going to make that speculative play on maybe we can build up UNLV? The Pac-12 did announce the media day this year is going to be in, in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yes. So they want to make that city a bigger part of the conference than it already is. Well, they have a school sitting right there that would love nothing more than to have that extra amount of cash in their in their coffers. And George Klyovkov comes from that in entertainment Worked world. For MGM, comes yeah. The, the, you know, so he understands the gambling world. Mm-hmm. I think the play on Las Vegas has more to do with a relationship moving forward in, with uh, – with um, giving away certain, like I guess, data rights sure. to yeah. to these to the to the betting, you know, yeah, the partners, that and, draft and it would games, be yeah. it would be kind of a an un, unheard of a precedented event, and because he said it a year ago, we got to get creative in how we bring in revenue, and so to me, Las Vegas is mm-hmm. a move, but what this is what this is like when I hear this from a president of a university, it's like you guys don't understand, you're not reading the room here. Mm-hmm. Like television is dictating the terms on all of this. Oh yeah, you can't have a conference that's going to compete with all the other conferences in the country, as far as like with with football and with revenue generation. Mm-hmm. Then you can't be geographically isolated. You just can't. Uh, you know the the Big Twelve recognized it. The Big Ten recognized it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even say the SEC to some degree. You know, going to kind of the middle part of the country. Uh, in a bigger, you know, bigger footprint, uh, recognize it with Oklahoma and Texas, and and you you have to, you have to, you just have to have a chance to be in, in more TV windows throughout the day if you're going to command bigger dollars. That's just how it is. So if you want to be in this isolationist, this this pious, you know, you know, culture and our. Our institutions are more about sports. You know, it's about the conference it's about, of champions. Yeah, right. Champion, <laughs> champion. I don't know what cause, but it isn't. Yeah. And and college athletics to me, I know people are going to hate me for saying. I don't care. It's true. Like they've done studies on this. If you don't have a good football program in your school, you don't have a heart. Taylor yeah. Randall, the president of the University of Utah, said us winning as a football program has done more for us academically than anything else we could do. Ask Alabama and Nick Saban. They have doubled their student yeah. population simply due to the football success. Yeah. So you got to figure out uh, what is buttering your bread, and it's football, and it's and it's a television rights deals, and they require multiple areas and a focus on football, and that's been the problem with the, uh, with the Pac-12 all along. Mm-hmm. And this is just – Another thing. All right. Hey, we're going to go to a break, but before we do, it's Win Ticket Tuesday. Be caller 12 at 801 zone and win a pair of tickets to the Jazz versus the old Boston Celtics on March 18th. Call us right now. Hurry. Don't wait. All right. It is Unrivaled 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. We're taking a break. We'll be back in a bit. This is Jake Scott and you all in, baby. You'll know exactly, um, more or less, what's going to happen. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell, along with Jake Hatch, who is the producer 
of DJ and PK in the morning, and he does a BYU. What's your BYU podcast called? Locked on Cougars. Locked on the old Cougars. Hmm, mm, sounds like something from Draper. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, I used to do Locked on Utes as well, then I handed that off to a good friend of mine. So. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, he does a Saturday show here from, uh, what is it, uh, 10 to noon? 10, 10 to noon on Saturday. And then I'm also now part of the pre-half and post-game shows oh, on RSL That's broadcasts. right. Yeah. Oh, that is right. Well, Keep him busy. <laughs> hey, men, uh, Reed Medical is Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic offering ED treatments that are discreet, non-invasive, and customized to your needs. Reed Medical. Renew, restore, reclaim. Visit ReedMedical.com today. All right, we got a game to play. It's called What Are the Odds? Uh, I'll explain it to you really quickly. I'm going to give you a scenario, and you give me a percentage from 0 to 100% of the probability that it is going to happen. Okay. If you use a sports jersey as your percentage, it's bonus points. Okay. All right, here you go. What are the odds that BYU basketball makes it to the semifinals of the West Coast Conference Tournament, which starts Thursday? BYU plays their first game Friday, and to make it to the semifinals, I got one for you. Give me a Derek Dawes 43%. Derek Dawes 43%. I believe that was his number. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give you, uh, was Sarkeesian 12? He was 12, yeah. I'm going to give you a Steve Sarkeesian at BYU 12% chance. Wow, you, you think I'm not, out. Yeah, uh, I don't think they'll make the, the semis. They got they got to go through LMU, who has been a tough team for them this year already. So you're you, I don't think you're off base on that. Kind of feels like everybody's been a tough team for them this year. I mean, yes. Just, to your what's point. going on there? Because uh, the, I love Mark Mark Pope, and it just it felt like it feels like they kind of so they have played the right direction. seven quad one games. So we're talking like top tier yeah. games. They've played seven of them. They're one in six in those games. The six losses, though, none of them by they're all single digit losses, oh. and two of them are one point losses to both St. Mary's and Gonzaga. So, in some ways, it feels like BYU is very close to being actually a pretty yeah. good team. But at the same time, you got to get over the hump and win some of those games. They did none of that this year. So yeah, yeah. They, they've had their struggles, and it feels like things are teetering a little bit down there in Provo. Hmm. Well, I hope he gets it uh, squared away because I re- I really like Mark Pope a lot. All right, what are the odds Dalton Kincaid is the highest drafted player? Uh, in the state of Utah, from the state of Utah. Uh, give me, let's see, who were number 99 in this state? I don't know. No, 99 can be anywhere. You don't have to give the player oh, from the state. Okay. I, just, I was going to find somebody locally, but yeah. Oh, uh, give me, I can give you a local guy. Who's that? Was uh, Buck? Buck was 99. Oh, yeah, Jason, Jason, yeah, Jason, yeah, Buck. Jason Buck. Yeah, give me, yeah. J- give me a Jason Buck, 99%. And he's yeah. the highest drafted guy from the state. Jason's my buddy. He's a stud. I, I, I love Jason. We we become really good friends. Yeah, I just don't think there's much of any chance that he's not the highest drafted guy. All right, fine. I'll give you a Jason Buck 99%. I agree. I think I think he's going to be up there. Be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, what are the odds that we're going to take a break within the next 30 seconds? Pretty good. Uh, the Mexican soccer official 100%. <laughs> we I don't know his name, but uh he does wear Do we know we need to find his name, Jeremy? I think all it is that they can allow triple digits. Oh, so it's not ah. necessarily. Oh, it's a fictitious thing. I think it's La Liga. They can do that. So okay, uh, we'll call it Danny Rojas. <laughs> Football yes. is life. Yes, one hundred percent. Hey, Ted Lasso's coming up. Yeah, two weeks from now. I know. I'm so pumped. I was watching the trailers uh, this morning, and I it almost made me cry. It, when all the believe signs went up on yeah. the lockers, like man. 
I'm telling you. It's going to be great. Be like a goldfish and just forget the whole first hour of the show. It didn't happen. <laughs> we'll move on to the next part. We're going to take a break. It is Unrivaled 97.5 DKSL Sports. So when we come back, Mitch Harper is going to join us. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. Hey, sports fans, it is Unrivaled 97.5 D KSL Sports Zone. I am Scott Mitchell. He is Jake Hatch, producer of DKPJ. DKPJ, I like that. That's yes. a better name. Yeah. It's a better name. DKPJ, I, yeah, I can dig that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I did that on purpose, uh, by the way. That's okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so uh, Jake is filling in for Alex Curie, who is away on special assignment. His CIA uh, part-time job has mm-hmm. uh, called him away. Anyways, our show is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein. G2G Bars are perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. Um, <laughs> okay. So you're the RSL pre-half and post. Host um, slash analyst, you're, yeah. You're the host slash analyst. Mm-hmm. I, I just have a quick question because we got Mitch Harper on the phone, and, um, and and maybe we can have Mitch chime in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so the, the RSL won two to one. They did, yeah. So can you, like – Give me a correlation to real sports. Like what? <laughs> what does that score actually mean? Is that a blowout? Is that like a close game? Is that a nail biter? Is that just a, you know, is that a good solid win? It's a good what, solid win. That's what, yeah, two to one. So what's a blowout? Like what does the score have to be to be a blowout? Three nothing, four nothing. That's a blowout. Three three to four yeah. to nothing. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Hey, uh, Mitch Harper of uh, KSL Sports is joining us. That's going to be the cut. The other question. Undeniable, unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. All right, uh, boy, there's a lot going on at BYU this week. Uh, Spring football is less than a week away. Uh, you've got the NFL, NFL Combine, which they got some big name players from BYU. At that, there's the West Coast men's basketball tournament uh, happening this weekend. Of course, where is BYU and all that? Joining us, uh, KSL Insider and a host of Cougar Sports Saturday, Mitch Harper. Mitch, how are you? How's it going? Doing great. Uh, yeah, I, I I would not have known much on the soccer front. I was getting okay. a little bit nervous when you said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought if you're going to bring up aggregate, then I'm not going. To, I'm going to struggle. But uh, uh, no, no, that's. I'm always happy to be on with you guys. I'm slowly becoming a fan of relegation. Ah, okay. I, I think yeah, I think relegation yeah, I like has a place in all of sports, and I think even sports talk shows should have relegation as well. Uh, so, so maybe we could work on. Let's get with our bosses and talk about things like that. Even hosts, like if you're not if you're not bringing it in as a host, you get relegated, right? Yeah. 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 The doggy dog world meritocracy. Yeah. So so I'll get relegated. It'll be me and uh PK. Okay. At the very end of the day, like when it's like from 9 to 10 at night. That would be a yeah. fun show. I mean, actually, I'm not gonna, actually I'm not gonna I wouldn't lie. mind that. What am I All right. So I'm going to let you pick 
Mitch. What topic do you want to talk about first uh, with with what's going on at BYU? What's just like the thing that's just got you salivating about BYU? Uh, spring football. Oh, uh, spring yeah. football. You know, spring football to me is is got me really excited because there's so much new uh, to this BYU football team beyond just the conference affiliation. Uh, you, the personnel up and down the board, uh, you know, it's just so many new faces have to emerge and and provide a lift to this BYU team. So many questions and spring ball will be the, the first example of that. And I think it's going to be kind of interesting on Monday when, you know, BYU's, you know, going through a practice and they're now a big 12 team. It's just got a different vibe. It's got a different, uh, uh, you know, intensity, I think, to the whole setting. And I think that's, you know, spring ball is going to be really interesting to see how, how it all develops. Okay, Mitch. So they obviously are going to be breaking Keaton Slovis in for the first time officially. Obviously, that he's been in the program for the last couple of months working out with his teammates. But uh, what do you think and or expect from him as BYU's QB1 this spring? I expect him to be uh, incredibly accurate. I think he's got to be uh, just top-notch I, I, to the point where I don't want to see any sort of incompletions, low, low, low passes. Everything's got to be pinpoint accuracy, top-notch. I mean, he's finally fully healthy, and I think there should be uh, some credit given to him on, on that. And last year at Pitt, he was dealing with injuries and had the coordinator change and wide receiver leagues for USC and Jordan Addison. But at the same time, I mean, you can't – over three the last three years, he has regressed every season. So this can be a big spring for him to just hit it out of the park and look brilliant. I mean, that's what he needs to be as a fifth-year guy – who's got 38 starts under his belt, that's what he needs to be for BYU. So uh, high expectations, honestly, for Slovis. I don't think you can you know, look at it in the same way as Jaron Hall two years ago or Zach Wilson in 2018. It has to be he steps in and he looks brilliant, and I think that's got to be the expectation. I think that's what BYU is expecting from him, too, when they viewed him as the number one target on their transfer portal board as a quarterback. They wow. get him because of, of, that, of that thought of, his connection to Isaac Rex, he knew Zach Wilson and, and, and Jaron Hall. So there's a lot of familiarity with this offense. So he feels he can step in and, and be a guy and be someone that, you know, one year from now we're talking about at the NFL Combine as well. So uh, Keaton Slovis has to look, I think, you know, just outstanding uh, in a setting where he's not going to get hit and there's going to be no pressure. You know, um, if A-Rod is smart, Kalani is smart, they will bring in Keaton Slovis because you were you're talking about all these changes and it's so hard to get a new offense, a new offensive coordinator, understanding, getting a feel for the players you're going to be around. It's all, it's really hard and it's it's it, what's hard about it is you can't play like instinctively, intuitively, and so you it it it's hard to really get the very best out of you. You need time in a system, or if your coach is smart. They'll they'll get with the player and because what happens is they they just install their offense and they go just run it figure it out, but the smart coaches will go what do you like and what do you do well, and let's just focus on that because it'll be enough I'm telling you, it'll be more than enough people aren't going to know who BYU is they're not going to have any kind of a uh, feel for who who Keaton Slovis is what you know when they get into the Big Twelve and uh, you know and 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 by the time maybe people figure it out they'll be able to expand on what he's doing and. Then they can because it's just to me making sure that guy has success and has confidence and believes in what he's doing and he's comfortable with the guys that he's playing with. 
that that's what I would do at BYU. Not figure it out at spring and and I everyone dropped their ego at the door and just you know, hey, we're you know you got to learn our offense. It's like no, let's just let's just what let's figure out what you do well and let's let's mas- master that. Uh, I, I think that's a good point though, Scott, because and I think that Slovis is kind of a, a little bit of a, you you wonder if. He's a little bit of, of a damaged goods, if you will. And I know that you know he's a person and everything, but like if you you wonder if the confidence is there. And I think everything that he's doing thus far uh, to kind of insert himself as a leader of this team, this BYU offense lacks a leader, in my opinion. There's no clear cut guy. Maybe it's Connor Pay, uh, but I think it needs to be Keaton Slovis. And with his name, I mean, he's got he's got name cachet in college football. People around the country know who he is. And I think if he can be the leader of this team, I think that could serve him well. And I think also, too, I think when transfers come into BYU, uh, to insert themselves maybe as a BYU guy and embrace everything that's unique about BYU. And I think Keenan Slovis so far is kind of doing a nice job of that. And, and what I mean is, you know, you think about in basketball, Alex Barcelo a few years ago, he, he never dreamed of being a BYU player. Uh, but he embraced all the uniqueness of BYU, and he leaves after three years, and he became kind of a BYU guy, and no one realized he had a time at Arizona. You know, Keenan Slovis can really uh, end his college career on a high note because I think BYU is a place and a offense that can that can get him back on track and be an NFL draft prospect again. And I think that part of that, though, is embracing everything about BYU, and I think that he understood that this is his last chance to shine in this stage, and I think he's doing everything to this point to kind of be that leader and to embrace the uniqueness of BYU. And, and I just think that so far it feels like there's a good vibe around him. But now it's, you know, come spring, you want to see that pinpoint accuracy, though. And I, I think that's one of the big things. Even though the personnel will be new, the ball place and all that, that needs to be on point in a practice setting where he's not getting hit. All he's got to do is eat, eat the cougar tail. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll fit that's in true. just fine. Chocolate fit, cougar tail yeah, over the weekend just, was uh, hair pretty good. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a twist. Um <laughs> You mentioned like it's different now. Like this is this is a new this is uncharted territory for BYU. A new a new playground. Uh, I'm sure for all Cougar Sports Nation, this has just got to be so exciting. What is different? You, you mentioned you mentioned it, but what what are they doing different? What is uh, you know do they do they dress better now? Do they <laughs> do, do I don't know just what. What's what's the excitement and what has it done to the program in general with, with going to the Big 12 and knowing that it's right now? Well, I, I think that they just know how to they, – they know now what they're they're pursuing. You know, I, I think, you know, Jake and I, we've we've seen this thing up close every year and, and every, every season up close, and it's just like there's always the, you know, what are they playing for, the, the <laughs> jumping out early out of the gates. First three weeks, you better be on point because you got three power fives out of the shoot. That's not the case anymore. And I just think that there's new, there's a newfound like appreciation for the journey, the process, instead of being like, hey, you got to be 10, 11 wins and be in the New Year's Six hunt. And, whereas this year, it's like there's low expectations. And I think that works for Slovis. I think it works for Kalani Sataki and this, and this staff with a new defensive crew. Uh, it works that expectations are low. And I think BYU fans realize the challenges that are there. I don't think anyone thinks that BYU should just be completely outclassed every week. Now, that's a different conversation if they're just getting humiliated every week. But to be competitive and the, the pursuit of getting to a bowl game and taking step-by-step uh, you know, progress year after year, I think that's kind of what brings so much energy and excitement is that it's no longer of, you got to deliver this magical season and chase kind of ghosts because 
there's always that thought that maybe you could get to the New Year's Six as an independent, but there was no path. There was no, uh, you know, official tie-in to doing that. It was always just the hope and pray that, you know, if you go 11-1, and 12-0, maybe some reward will be down there at the end. And now you know that if you do have a magical season, it's not going to probably happen this year. But that's just, I think, brought so much new energy to the program. And then you get guys, you know, like today, a 2024 tight end recruit announces that he's going to take a visit to BYU during their spring game and also announces he's going to take visits to Auburn and Texas. That just wasn't happening a few years ago. And I think Big 12 affiliation and I think the fact that a program like TCU gets to the national title, it's got this just energy in the Big 12 right now and BYU where they feel like they can become something they haven't in a long, long time. And, and I think that just appreciation of the process brings that new energy and excitement that they just haven't experienced in a long time. Now, to live that dream, Mitch, obviously they've got the defense playing at a higher level. They brought in Jay Hill, revamped that entire defensive coaching staff. How much do you think Jay can really get done this spring? Can he get the entire defense implemented? What do you think he can get done during spring ball? I think we're going to leave out a spring ball in mid-April and say the defensive line is the most improved group in the program. Okay. Uh, you know, Tyler Batty is going to be uh, kind of a leader that this group is going to be looked upon. I think the entire defense is going to kind of follow his lead. And then I, a guy that I'm really excited to watch for in spring is outside edge player Isaiah Moa. I mean, I put in KSLsports.com. I think he could be the most improved player in the BYU football program this year. He had a great bowl practices and was really trending up. I mean, because last year he was a red shirt, didn't really make much inroads, and that was a little bit worrisome. You're thinking, okay, this defense is really bad, and this guy's not making any sort of dent in the depth chart, but bold practices, he really thrived. And when Jay Hill kind of got his hands on him, Kelly Papinga, and they were seeing a little bit of him in practice, there's a lot to work with. I think he's going to take a lot of strides in spring ball. He's a former four-star recruit. I think him, also Michael Daly moves over to the outside edge spot, and then Brody Schoonover at defensive end, a former uh, American Fork High standout who had offers in Nebraska, UCLA, Utah. He picked BYU out of high school. Those are four guys that really the, the Big 12 you know, markets don't know anything about, maybe Tyler Batty a little bit, uh, but I think those guys will be key difference makers. And I think at the end of spring we're going to say, this defense aligns a little bit better, and they have the potential to surprise. And then the interior, you add Jackson Cravens, Nisa Mahe comes back. Uh, I think there's some there's some things to work with, and I think the coaching uh, leveled up with, with getting Kelly Papinga and Sione Puha on the interior. The linebackers are going to be a big question. I'm really curious to see you know, if, if it forces them to kind of go to a 4-2-5 scheme, have five defensive backs. i got to think that they're going to still – you know, try to get a DB after spring ball concludes or two. Uh, but, you know, linebackers are a little bit thin. When you don't have Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, it does open up opportunities for young guys to create depth. But uh, I think I'm really kind of uh, intrigued by the defensive line, and I think they're going to take a lot of leaps forward uh, in spring ball. I think that's going to be a real area where I, I kind of focus on and see that growth because I, I have kind of big expectations to see them take a leap forward. Well, it's a great point and a, and a smart move if you're BYU because there's there's one way that you can be competitive in the Big 12 in football quickly, and that's up front. Uh, you can recruit athletes that, that can, can hold their own uh, in the conference uh, on a regular basis, and that, that was, that was the, um, you know, the whole model, the Kyle Whittingham start of his, his whole defense and 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 Jay Hill understands that, and you know Kalani understands that, and 
and and and it feels like they got away from that you know the the last few years at BYU but uh on on the offensive line you know they went back to a model that uh, of the type of player that they were recruiting you know we were talking about Blake Freeland and and the type of athlete that he was and how he wasn't a lineman but he was moved to that position and and uh, you can you can recruit and do well and then then it get, then it keeps you competitive you know and that and I think uh, you're not going to get blown off the ball. You're not going to get blown out of the water, and then you start building those other pieces in the in the uh, skill position places, and uh, you you can you know you can compete and you, you and be respectable and and have a chance uh, when you, I, when you do that. I think I agree with that, and I think that this BYU team's got to be complementary football, and I, I think that you know it can't be all on Keaton Slovis's shoulders. I mean, he had, at some point he's going to have to win some ball games for BYU, but. Uh, I think it's going to, you know, there, there's a chance this could be, you know, both sides of the ball are, are playing complimentary ball. And, and that, you know, I think that this is going to be a team that uh, can be competitive and can be a tough out uh, in, in a week in and week out in the Big 12. And, and I do believe that, you know, BYU's road and independence has better prepared them uh, for, you know, power five games. But I always kind of look at that as with a little bit of a caveat because I feel like, there were so many times, with the exception of last year, with BYU having a national ranking early in the season, uh, you know, BYU would go into a lot of Power 5 venues, and there just wasn't much energy in the building. There, there wasn't, it was just like, okay, uh, you know, they roll into Michigan, and Michigan fans are like, why are we playing this BYU? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just there, there wasn't much juice to it. And now when you add a conference tie-in to it, there's going to be more intensity. The fans are going to be more... Uh, engage in that and, and that so that's a little bit different level and I think there'll be a new appreciation from the opposition like hey this is a conference foe we know who they are after a few years under the belt so I, I just feel like that's a little bit different because I think everyone points to that and says well they've played so many power five teams they play kind of a power five schedule but still I think it's, there's a little bit of some nuance I feel like it's a little bit different I think that's what makes this slate so much more challenging is just that you're going to go in November, and like last year, you play a November game against Stanford. You think that's that's a big game. Well, there, there was no energy to that. David Shaw was ready to hang it up, and the fans were a no show. And it just it, it's different when you're in a league, and BYU's got to kind of recalibrate the expectations and just kind of the 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 ebbs and flows that come with that. I mean, they just haven't done this in 13 years. It's been a long time since BYU has navigated a conference getting. All conference accolades will be a great thing for players. I mean, there's just there's a lot more intensity behind it, and I think Kelly Papinga has said it best throughout this offseason. Just how much more everything matters more when you're in a league, and you know, I think everyone tried to polish it a bit the last decade plus, but now that you got Power Five affiliation, you go, yeah, that that was pretty tough being an independent team, and now this is a, a much better deal. This was always the goal for them, and and now they're here, and let's see how they do. Hey Mitch, um, really quick before we let you go, um, what what do you feel about the uh, West Coast Conference basketball tournament? Where 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 BYU is, and what what kind of what, what what can you expect from them in in the tournament? I feel confident they'll get to Saturday night. I think they'll play LMU. Um, you know that's a toss up game. It's a fifty fifty proposition. I I predict that BYU gets to the semifinal Monday night. Uh, I think it was huge how the bracket played out for BYU, avoiding Pepperdine, avoiding San Francisco, avoiding Santa Clara, uh, and avoiding Gonzaga potentially to a championship game if BYU could somehow get there. 
I think they get to the semifinals, and I think if they get to the semifinals and play St. Mary's tough, that probably earns them an NIT bid or at least puts them on the fringe. Because right now, uh, BYU's probably CBI bound if they took that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, they got some work to do if they want to keep playing in the postseason and go to the NIT at least. So, uh, but I think, you know, the bracket kind of shaped up well for BYU fans to maybe think this team could make a run. You got to hope that Rudy Williams plays like a star. You know, Mark Pope has talked about seniors can do magic things. And, well, some magic's got to be pulled out by Rudy Williams, which was not the person you would have thought they would be turning to when the season began, but he's really bought into being kind of a complete guard for this BYU team and, you know, the coaching and he could have went sideways with this, but he's really embraced his role. And I think that's working out for him and, and uh, he's got to have some big games. And I think BYU's got to shoot the three. Well, defensively, BYU has been a pretty good team this year. And I think they can rest their hat on that, but uh, they got to find a way to get hot on that court in Orleans and, and uh, knock down, a, knock down some threes consistently. If they can, then maybe they can make a run. But, uh, you know, I, I think they can get to Monday night semifinals before ultimately losing to St. Mary's, in my opinion. Hey, Mitch, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for joining us. And it, it's just really exciting to think about now. It's like, hey, BYU's in the Big 12, and it's uh, it's official, official. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is pretty darn cool. Anyways, thanks, Mitch. You bet, guys. Take care. All right, that's Mitch Harper, uh, KSL Sports BYU Insider, host of uh, Cougar Sports Saturday. That's uh, on from uh, noon to three. So Correct, yeah. Listen to Jake, jump over to Mitch, and, you know, have a great sports Saturday. Uh, we're going to take a break here, but before we do, can we give away tickets? Do you mind, Jeremy, to allow us to do that? All right. Hey, it's uh, Win Ticket Tuesday. Be caller number 12, 801-575-ZONE. Win a pair of tickets to the Jazz versus the Celtics on March 18th. You want that one? Caller 12. It's unrivaled. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, what are we going to talk about when we come back? Oh, apparently the Jazz are going off the air. Uh, we'll talk about it. And now, a look at traffic from the KSL Traffic Center. Top for check of traffic on 97.5, the KSL Sports. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. It's not so high. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Be a goldfish. That is the motto of the day. It is Unrivaled. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell, along with Jake Hatch, filling in for Alex Curie, who is way, way, way on a secret assignment. Uh, Ted Lasso's coming back. I'm excited about it. Ted Lasso has done so much for people's positive attitude and great, great quotes. Believe and, you know, little green army men and we're getting all luck- that stuff. We're getting lucky over the next two weeks. Because tomorrow, I don't know if you, you watch The Mandalorian? No. Okay. Well, The Mandalorian Season 3 drops tomorrow. On Do Disney I need Plus. to be watching that? I really enjoy it. Why have I not heard about this? Do you not have Disney Plus? You don't know Disney the, Plus? Yeah, the streaming service. I have Disney Minus. Oh, okay. Well, fair yeah. enough. Doesn't but have all I'm that just saying. Stuff. So tomorrow. What, what, what's The Mandalorian? 
It's a Star Wars story that oh. branches off. Really? It, this is the third season. Right. It's actually been two and a half years in the making or something Whoa. like that. Jeremy, you probably know better than I would about how long. It, it's been a hot minute since they last were on, but that's coming out tomorrow. So that debuts tomorrow. Oh. And then two weeks from tomorrow, it's the Ted Lasso yes. debut on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes. Got to have all the streaming services. I think they're <laughs> yes. doing it on purpose. They're just giving us one good program on every single oh, streaming yeah. service. Because, uh-huh. like, uh, I'm a Yellowstone fan. And you have to have Peacock for that. Right. Yep. It's just like, man. Yep. Guess what? I have them all. Oh, and if I want to watch the jazz? Hi, Fubo. 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 <laughs> Fubo. Speaking of wanting to watch the jazz. Well, that might be changing. Good little segue there, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> so this is just so bizarre to me. So on March 31st, uh, AT&T Sportsnet is, is going away. Right? Shutting down operations. At least that's the that's the word that they gave to the teams that they are operating with. Yes. Yeah, and we talked about this briefly with Ben Anderson, uh, who's our our uh, jazz insider, mm-hmm. um, yesterday. But um, what the heck happens to the jazz if if this if they cease operations? They do see, see cease operations. I understand the commissioner. Everyone's not overly concerned about this, but. You know, it's hard to watch jazz games as it is right now. And yeah. I mean, you for me, it's like, you know, it's it's an act of God. And then, of course, you haven't had to worry about it this year, but there are games that are blocked out or blacked out in your area. Uh, why would why would they not want to have more access to the jazz and people being able to watch? Well, OK, and that's one thing that Ryan Smith has been very vocal about is getting as many people the opportunity to watch this team. In some way, small way, I'm actually, and I'm going to say this right now, AT&T Sportsnet shutting down is actually a net positive in all of this. And I, oh, I, I, know that okay. sa- I know that sounds counterintuitive, but they were talking about re-upping with AT&T Sportsnet going next year and right. beyond. Had that happened, it's going to be the same restrictions on getting people to see it. This will force the Jazz to innovate and make it more widely distri- distributed. Are they going to have to work with maybe a streaming platform or something like that to distribute it? Yes, but you're not going to be locked down with AT&T Sportsnet and being able to watch it on DirecTV Stream, Fubo TV, having DirecTV, the, the limited options. Because Dish dropped it. Dish dropped AT&T Sportsnet on, on their television package. Yeah. So this is actually going to work out in the long run better for Jazz fans than if they were to have stuck around. So um, I we had we had Jeremiah Jensen. Mm-hmm. He, he hosted with me yesterday and. Uh, he brought up some really interesting points about uh, NBC wanting to get back in the basketball game, and and that that actually bodes well here at KSL yeah, because it it's the NBC affiliate mm-hmm. here. Um, I you know in, back in the day, and so he talked about kind of that very point about what you said. You know, there's there's opportunities here uh, for for teams to kind of get more creative or find other options or find other partnerships, and I I I'm wondering. Is do you ever get a point to a point? Because here's here's where I, I think about this all the time. Like when I played in the NFL, the salary cap for an entire team, <laughs> the first year they had a salary cap was thirty two million dollars for the entire team. You wouldn't even afford okay. a quarterback, right? Today. And so it's like two hundred and twenty million dollars or something this year, somewhere yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood. Does there ever get a point because the revenue for for these sports is through television deals? That's the biggest source of all this revenue, and the NBA is coming sudden, up on it, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, you're seeing this happen, and so 
does does it go more to um you know an NBC or you know you talk about some of these different options you know streaming services it hasn't worked well for the clippers you know as you know the the number of people that have actually tuned in signed up i guess i guess what would be interesting i wonder if we could do this as a as a survey question i'm just <laughs> talking out loud here if you're a utah jazz fan and the jazz go to a streaming service would you pay for, for that service to actually watch the jazz uh you will get <sighs> Or do people go, nah, I'm not watching it. You you will have a lot of vocal people who will say they're not going to pay for it. Because for years, you remember, they were on KJAZZ for so many years. Right. When Larry Larry Miller owned the team. They were on on KJAZZ. I remember watching them all my growing up years. Yes. And then they signed with uh, AT&T Sportsnet, and they got got a lot of money from that deal. Let's be be very clear about that. The the thing about this is is you will have people who will pay up because they want to watch their jazz. The, The thing is, I think you need to distribute it in multiple ways. Probably via an app or a streaming service. Okay. Get it on if you can get it on linear TV here in Utah. Whether that is partnering with one of the TV affiliates here, whether it's our our homies right downstairs here with 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 KSL, get it out to as many people as you possibly can, and try and and build a revenue stream different by different ways. So does a t- does does a, a place like Bonneville uh-huh. do they have the capability to um, pay for and televise jazz games locally. Not f- okay. Well, I mean, do they have do they have that's deep a good enough pockets, or you know, does does Channel do they, Four do, do they have the deep enough pockets to pay just, the re- you know. the money? That's a great question. That is a very good question. I'd have to ask some people about that. I do know that there has been interest from different entities here in this market. I'm not going to throw out names because, yeah. but. I, I know that there are entities in this market who would like to partner with the Jazz on distributing that if, if they're yeah. interested. The only issue is I don't think the the money, if that makes sense, like the, the Jazz probably want to in the number of millions of dollars for these right. rights. Of course, yeah. How many entities are you going to have to partner with, or will one entity say we're willing to pony up that that, that amount of money to make you guys exclusive to us? Yeah, that's the big question. I think I think I think a sport like uh, basketball is interesting in how you generate all of the, all of your television revenue yes. as you know as a, as a league and a franchise because the NFL it's pretty cut and dried. You know, you, you have these outlets, and of course they're expanding into these streaming services and all this stuff, but. But Slowly. The, but the bread and butter, you know, yeah. is on, at, linear, on TV. linear TV. Yeah. I'm just curious if a local, you know, because you have so many games. I mean, if the Jazz, like, they're not, they're not, there's not a single game that's nationally televised for the Utah Jazz. Can can basketball go to a model like that where every every single NBA game is broadcast on some station somewhere? I, apparently not. And and I don't know the answers to this. I'm just you know I'm just thinking off the top of my head. And how because how do you keep up with these salaries? How do you keep up with the the, well, the salary cap if you don't have the television revenue? Okay, uh, to in order to do that, I see where you're going. The bigger thing is is the 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 national deals of the TV the, the NBA is going to partner with probably ESPN. NBC says, says they want back in yeah. TNT. I'm sure is going to bid on it. Yep. Heck, CBS. Anybody's going to partner with and try and get a partnership with the NBA because it's outside of the NFL. It's one of the bigger cash cows in yes. terms of TV rights. Right. There are projections that the NBA could triple the amount oh. of money it's making right now in these new media rights negotiations. We're talking in the billions of dollars. Oh. And then at that point, that's where that money's going to 
keep the salary cap rising and rising and rising, paying guys $60, $70 million a year. That's that's where we're going with this. Can they lower the ticket prices then? I mean, if you get <laughs> yeah. all, if you're tripling your revenue from yeah. television, just lower the ticket prices so we could we could take our kids to a game and we don't have to sit up on the top row. That is, like, what, that, I just don't want to sit on the top row and fall out of. Do you yeah. know how steep it is it up is there? Very, and, oh, trust sk- me, I I sit up there a lot. <sighs> no offense, like I, I that's 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 my perch. That's where I watch a lot of jazz games. You like it? Do you like it? I not necessarily like it because you have to be closer to the action. But I've sat up there and I, it's very steep in terms of the the gradient and everything. The bigger thing. It, it stake here, Scott, is I'm with you. You need to make it more affordable for the fans. And the bigger other issue on this is the, the player management, the load management stuff. There are people who save up hundreds and hundreds of dollars to come to one jazz game in yes. theory a year, hoping to see, let's say, Steph Curry. And I know Steph's actually one of the guys who plays more often than not. But there are guys like Kawhi Leonard that you probably may want to see. He sits out more often than he plays, it feels like, in certain circumstances. That is the problem, is that the NBA is hurting its product by allowing these players to just kind of opt out of playing certain games when they're on the road, etc. That is what hurts the product, and ultimately I think it's going to cause a little bit of a reckoning with regards to the amount of prices and everything. I will always have mad respect for Arthur Blank for one reason. He has kept the prices at the Atlanta Falcons stadium. Their Mercedes, that yeah, new, right. it yep. looks like a rose. It was a yep. top-line NFL arena. He has kept food prices at like reasonable. Like It's like five bucks for like a hamburger there. You can't get that anywhere else in the sports world. I'm sorry. Yeah. I will always have mad respect for a guy like that because he understands what it means to, to families who want to take their kids. I've got two kids of my own, and taking them to a jazz game, it is bust out the pocketbook. You're you're paying through the nose for this. Well, and the thing the thing is is if you're going to own a franchise uh-huh. in, in in today's sports market, you're you're a billionaire. Oh, you 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 got you've got impressively deep pockets. It's not you're not the Brown family, you know, yeah. that started this and and so so you're you know, you have these cheap pockets and yeah. like every dollar from every concession stand and everything is yeah. you know, taken out of your bottom Arthur line. Arthur Blank has Home Depot over there right. to tide him Exactly. Over. So no, it's and that's and that's a really good point, but I, I just I just get the sense like um, having having the ability to uh, you know have people uh, watch these games mm-hmm. and getting back to the load management side of this, and I heard a thing from Charles Barkley, actually a positive thing uh, before he was ripping on Utah, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, uh, where, where these athletes. Are in the most amazing shape of their lives. Mm-hmm. They're in. Um, they they can withstand this. You know the pounding and all this stuff. And you know you talk about these other streaming services going. Look, if you're not going to give us the best product, the we only want the marquee games. If you're the Pac-12, you know that's supposedly one of the negotiation yeah, the, the, points. The Amazon wants the big wants the big. Why shouldn't there. it be the same way um, with? With basketball, and you know, it's gonna be a discussion that's had, yeah. and and uh, and these players all of a sudden are gonna go, look, y'all got to show up. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't, um, <laughs> you know, maybe they cut their pay, maybe they just don't get paid if they're gonna sit. Out. It's like, okay, fine, you want to sit out a game, then then you're just you're, you're not gonna get paid for this. But that would be it's, collectively it's, bargain, though. That's the issue. <laughs> it's but it's mind boggling to me, mind boggling to me that they they do this. And I, I've heard the other side of the argument. Well, don't you want them to play longer? Well, a lot of guys play longer back when it wasn't even, you know, you got guys playing long careers in the NBA. I don't think careers are shortened because the guys have to play 
an 82 regular season season game. John, just, John Stockton, you know how many games he missed in his 19-year career? I think it was a handful. 22 games. Yeah. 19 of those games, excuse me, no, it was 22 games. 19 of those games came off of one knee injury when he had his meniscus repair yeah. in the mid-90s. He, yeah. he rarely, rarely missed games. Yep. And a lot, by the way, a lot of his career, guess what homeboy was doing along with Carmelo and the rest of the Jazz? They were flying coach, flying commercial. Yep. They weren't flying charter yep. like all these NBA players are today. You know, Rick Barry also brought up a point uh, really quick here before we go to break. He goes, like, the NBA is a joke right now. He goes, I actually did a breakdown in, in one game, and there were 59 moving screens. He goes, <laughs> traveling, palming the basketball, and moving screens, it's embarrassing. It's it's a it's a travesty to, to what the game is. And the reality is, is the players are allowed to get away with it. Yeah, they are. And he goes, you know, clean up the game. And maybe the NBA needs to look at, you know, with these new TV rights, they need to look at maybe cleaning up the game. There's tremendous athletes. It's a, a lot of talent in the NBA today. Don't don't ruin it. You know, don't really, really, there's ways to even make it better than where it is. We're we're living in a, like a golden age of NBA talent, by the way. We really are. Yeah, it's, it, it's incredible. All right, we're going to take uh, another break here. Uh, what do we got coming back? Oh, Deshaun Watson <laughs> might want to renegotiate. We'll see. It's Unrivaled, 97.5 UKSL Sports Zone. Com. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. I love it, baby. Presented baby, baby, by baby. G2G Bars. This is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is Unrivaled, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell here. And uh, that guy over there, that's Jake Hatch. Uh, he is a trooper. And I really appreciate him being part of the show today. He gets up uh, bright and early before the sun shines. <laughs> that's true. And uh, he's, of course, the producer for uh, DJ and PK in the morning. And has his uh, Locked on BYU. Mm-hmm. Is it Locked on Cougars? It's locked well, on Cougars, right? It used to be locked on BYU, and then we got a certain letter from a certain university in Provo that oh. said, you need to change that name. So now it's locked on Cougars, yeah. Locked on Cougars. Yeah. Um, is produced in and Draper. That's a, that's a true story, by the way. We got we got a cease and desist. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I probably know who it's from. Uh, <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Anyways, and then, of course, he does the Saturday show from 10 to noon here mm-hmm. on uh, the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, he joins me, and... Uh, Interesting topic here, but uh, uh, really quick. Does your home need a new look? RGS Exteriors can give your home that look you want with stucco, brick, vinyl, or James Hardy siding. Get the new look for 2023 by calling 801-280-3110. That's 801-280-3110. RGS Exteriors and Construction. Uh, Interesting thing going on here with the Cleveland Browns. They did a dumb thing. This This is... the dumb thing was they did a $250 million fully guaranteed contract with Deshaun Watson. Correct, yeah. That puts his cap number basically higher than anyone ever has had. Mm-hmm. And and because it's fully guaranteed, it, it really creates like an accounting problem uh, for Cleveland. And, you know, you're, you're in such a, a, a quandary because 
Man, you want to find that quarterback. If you, it's a quarterback league. If you can get that guy, if you can get that Patrick Mahomes, you can get some of these young. You know, Jalen Hurts is turning into being a pretty good. Uh, Joe Burrow. You know, you could just go through when you have a guy. When you don't have a guy, it's miserable. Okay, you know, it's miserable. It's terrible. It's awful. So, at what price do you get that guy? And it feels like maybe the price for the Cleveland Browns has been too high. Well, they did. Yeah, it was a, it was a five-year, two hundred thirty million dollars fully guaranteed contract. His current deal is slated to give him a record fifty-four point nine nine three million dollars yeah. salary cap hit over the next four seasons. Right. That chews up twenty-five-ish percent right. of your salary cap yeah. for one guy. One dude. Yeah. No. And, and, yeah, and, and you can't have one dude, right? And even if he's he's remarkable, and Deshaun Watson's really kind of struggled, mm-hmm. but. You know what? I don't buy into the struggle. Okay, the guy can play. Yeah, I, I know he can play. It's like he was it's very like, good. In look, Houston. it's like Russell Wilson. Everyone's freaking out. Russell Wilson's a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just you got to get in the right setting, the right situation. A lot of things have to play into it. But one of the right things to play into it, if you're if you're Cleveland, is you got to have parts around the guy. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going to get him, and and you look at. Um, you look at Tom Brady or you look at someone where he took less money mm-hmm. and it actually played out much better for him, you know, at the end of the day. I just think it would be hard if I'm Deshaun Watson to go, wait, you gave me – because he's – just so you know, Deshaun Watson's already spent all that money because well, he, he knows it's all his, right? And yeah. so he goes, well, you know, how do you get creative? I guess do you extend it out and then and then try to make some of it – because you, you, you can only go to the end of the salary cap, you know, Correct. the collective bargaining agreement. So there's, you know, you, I don't know that you could st- extend it out far enough to where you could actually make it make any sense. Well, and it's curious that Andrew Barry, he's the GM for the Browns, is saying that, it, quote, it could be on the table, but there's a lot of flexibility in terms of what we can do, unquote, about restructuring this deal. Why, if you're Deshaun Watson, are you interested in restructuring in this circumstance? Unless, as you mentioned, you're just extending out the, the, the money. It's still all fully guaranteed. It's just yeah. extended out over a f- longer period of time. Then you go to it. If they're going to ask you to restructure and take a less than fully guaranteed deal, Deshaun Watson's going to tell them to pound sand. So I had a one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. And so it's it just yeah. it, it was what it was. Yeah, single season, yeah. And they go, well, can we, can we take some of that money from you? So it was before the season started. And they go... Because, you know, we got to get some guy. We need some dudes around you to play, right? Okay. So um, they go, yeah, can we take a little bit away and turn it into the form of a bonus? Oh, so they wanted to put it in a signing bonus versus the – But it yeah. wasn't a signing bonus. It was a performance bonus. Oh, it was an incentive. An incentive bonus. Ooh, and they go, okay. we'll, we'll make it so ridiculously easy that you'll get it, right? <laughs> but they wanted to have it – to save some money on the front end, on the front end, so yeah. they could they could you know they yeah. could work in things. Well, I only played two games. Ah, so and and I ended up still getting the bonus at the end of the day. Oh, it was that easy? Yeah, huh? it was that easy. <laughs> and they were not happy about it either. Because, <laughs> awesome. um, but you know, it was it was just kind of one of those things where you know they're trying to get creative, and I guess I guess you could do this this type of thing, but yeah, I I think it would be really hard. I mean, I, if you're Deshaun Watson to go. Okay, uh, you know, well, wait, this is, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's a job. Yeah. And when you can, you know, take care of your family for the rest of generations and what have you, that's, 
There's a lot to be said about that. There's a lot more important things in life than just that. But I think it's I think it's messed up a lot of things with like Lamar well, say, Jackson. Lamar and, Jackson right now. The whole situation is he wants a fully guaranteed deal. Yeah. And Baltimore's like, and eh, no, we can't do it. Yeah, we ain't yeah. doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, we 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 can't do that either. We can't just stay here all night and just gotta gotta take a break. Uh, but when we come back, it's the coach. Coach Tim Lacombe is going to join us. Uh, it is Unrivaled, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. Alrighty, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell here, along with Jake Hatch, a producer for DJ and PK, and uh, he does a Saturday show from 10 to noon here on the KSL Sports Zone and uh, podcast called. Locked on Cougars, mm-hmm. filling in for Alex, who is away on special assignment. Our show is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and uh, bars are perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. Hey, we got the coach, Coach Tim Lacombe. He is the cut at 5.05. The other question. <laughs> Undeniable. Unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. All right, the cut's brought to you by uh, Trajan Wealth. Call Trajan Wealth today, your local trusted financial fiduciary. 801-899-7600. 801-899-7600. Or visit their website at trajanwealth.com. Coach, Coach Tim, how are you? Welcome to the program. What's going on, Scotty Mitchell? Well, um, and Jake Hatch, I hear. And, yes. And, and this segment brought to you by Sirion. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you all about that. By the way, are yeah. you? Are you? Yeah, a, I just thought I'd throw it in there. No, yeah. are you a business owner? Uh, look, you've got better things to do than to job hunt or scramble f- to find your next great hire. Let's Sirion staffing and recruiting do it for you. Visit us online at slash utah I think yeah, it's baby. awesome. I I love when you you like I I want to go out and actually get a job. <laughs> uh, All right, hey, you know what? We got a place right down by you, man. We we do that. We do the entire Nestle plant in Springville. Do you know that? Oh, ah. do you really? Yeah, you know, so, that's, that's you been know, around since I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, it used to be uh, under a different name, but Nestle now we employ a ton of people there in Utah County. Um, it is a you know it's a great opportunity. Um, people have gone in and, you know, made a career. So certainly encourage you uh, to look at Nestle and all the other great companies. One thing about Utah, we got a lot of growing business. And so it's it's great to be involved in that. So I have a dilemma that maybe the both of you can help me with. <laughs> I, is, I it, have... is it Dilemma Harrington? Or... <laughs> yeah. Ah, 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 well done. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Hawaii. Uh, anyways, um so I've I've uh, I have these games on my phone, and and I play the games, and then uh, if I lose, I can actually redo. So it's backgammon, right? And so if I get if yeah. I get, I can go back and redo the, the my play, 
And then, because I know what the computer is actually going to get, and so I can change my move. So I never lose at backgammon. And I'm I'm so competitive that I've gotten to a point where I can't even handle losing uh, at backgammon. And I don't I don't really know what to do about it because it's a disease. It's something that I've just kind of had my whole life. Well, you're you're the kind of guy I like because mine is not backgammon. However, uh, mine is you know when I when I get in a real down get some downtime, I go back to the uh, the PlayStation. And that reset button has saved many an undefeated season. Exactly. See, and see, and here's the thing, because I'm a Utah Jazz fan, lifelong Utah Jazz fan, and I hate when they lose. Like it put it 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 puts me in the tank. I want I want a reset button, right? And I'm I'm really excited about what the Jazz are doing right now. But is there like I don't even know what to think about about where everything is, and should I just be all in on this team and should they go into the playoffs how do is there a button that we could push or something that would would find a way for the jazz to win every game the rest of the season well I, if we can find that button i would imagine that would get pushed and obviously the jazz would be in a really good spot um in a year where nobody thought they would you know i think the average was 23 24 games uh in vegas for them to win so Again, I, I'm a I'm a little bit of a broken record, but I actually I, I found someone in the in the market that's also you know kind of seeing things the way I do, and that's the great Tony Jones. Um, you know, the Jazz have done what they need to do in year one. If they were able to make the playoffs with this roster, again, just being that much further ahead than you even thought. Um, you know, picking up an All Star in Lowry, uh, certainly the. You know the the beast that is Walker Kessler. Sorry, I'm in the arena. I'm going to walk out here. Uh, no, but I think it's it, it really is pretty awesome. So what the Jazz have done this year, um, they're out ahead of things, and so I think really now is a bonus. Um, you know, people are starting to say that this draft may not be as deep, and which is why you know one thing I will say is, and I think Jack, you'll back me up on this, uh, Scotty too. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, so far so good. I mean, everything, every step they've made, every uh, every button they've pushed with regard to the success of this franchise has been great. Uh, big old cap space now, um, a opportunity to go out on the free agent market and get pieces that are attractive, and then a slew of draft picks going forward. So, again, my advice to you, sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, if the Jazz make the playoffs, it's just a sign that they're way further ahead. And if they don't, you know, they'll get one little crack at the lottery. And I think that that, that's the way you look at it going forward. Well, now, Tim, with regards to that, David Locks said similar things. He's he's talked about the fact that this team has three draft picks in the first round. And right now, it doesn't look like any of the three are necessarily going to be a top 10 pick based on how things are projected. But nonetheless, they're going to have cap space, as you mentioned. They're going to have a bevy of draft picks. This is what Danny Ainge talked about when he came in. He said it was not fun to sit in that war room and have literally no assets to work with during during the draft. And he said, he, I remember him saying, I turned to the guys and said, is this fun for you guys? And they're like, no, it's not fun. He has endeavored to give them the flexibility to do whatever they need to do, and you're right. I, I think this you need to let this thing ride out, see where it goes, and then you supplement the roster a, as you go along. I don't know that necessarily any of us, and I want to ask you this. Did you anticipate Lowry Markinen being an all-star this year coming into the season? Because I sure as heck didn't. No, I, no, I did not. Um, you know, I, I think that he has 
I think he's blown everybody in the hair in the league's hair back, you yeah. know, with the way he's played this year. Um, you know, I thought they got a really good piece, and, and I did because I know, you know, Danny's approach to players and Justin's like they know players and they know guys that'll fit. So I was confident about that. I mean, but really, it's like you know, it's like finding a couple of gold nuggets in the very beginning of, of a search, and there's just so much more terrain to cover and so many things to unearth. That it's just really, in my opinion, it's really an exciting time because we got a little bit of a bonus stretch run right here. And the Jazz, you know, they went through the crazy schedule early. The schedule's, you know, kind of lessened and they're going to be able to uh, really kind of see what this is all about. So it's, it's an exciting time in Salt Lake, not just for right now, but obviously, you know, looking down the road at the next several years. When you, when you mentioned this about Laurie Markin and go, did anyone see him as an all-star and then you hear some of the, the comments from uh, Will Hardy about we were surprised at how athletic he was and, and, and you know, we were surprised by him. And, but but you, look at, you look at every player. I mean, I'm trying to think of a player, you know, maybe, maybe Simone Fontecchio was a guy that hasn't played uh, as well and he's still trying to figure things out and hasn't got a lot of playing time and so maybe this is that chance for him. But it just feels like, all of this is about coaching. Like one, just to just to get the team to buy into playing hard every single night, and to get this amazing performance out of Laurie Markkinen, and to get uh, and watch Walker Kessler grow and develop into a, a bona fide starter, and the same thing with Ochai Abaji, and you have you have Jordan Clarkston who's playing at uh, you know probably the highest level he's played in his career. He switched his role from from being a sixth man to a starter. Uh, you, you're seeing the evolution of a lot of players on this team, and and to me, I just go, that's that's coaching. That's like really good coaching. And you've got um, Greg Popovich going like like Will Hardy is ridiculously intelligent, and and I see what's happening with the Jazz because I don't think anybody saw this, but I have to wonder maybe Will Hardy did. Well, what I think Will Hardy did was he came in with a plan, and he's never been a head coach before. So uh, culture, you know, coming from Pop is going to be a really important piece. Uh, and then obviously at Boston, uh, coaching with Brad Stevens, and, and that, is a, that is a major, major culture situation as well. Um, it really is the one thing in this modern day and age that you can control. You can control how your organization is going to carry themselves and what's going to be expected. And so that is why I never, I never bought that a tank was in the cards because I just knew too many of the people involved and, and a tank is not what this is about. So I, I think of all the things we've talked about, the one thing we left out and probably the greatest revelation that will probably precede any of this stuff in the first five to six years is Will Hardy. And now, I don't want to sound uh, – I've watched a lot of coaches for a long time, for a lot of years, and his ability to just deal with what he has that night and go out there and, and in the guts of a game, attack matchups that are favorable and put this team that nobody thought could win in a position to win and then trade out a whole lot of, of pieces of it yeah. And then say, okay, now let's see what you can do. And, and he just continues to compete and win, and this team continues to be fun to watch. And most importantly, the culture is intact. 
And I think that that's why this has been so important. And you, you talk about them trading pieces in and out. Obviously, they both signed both Frank Jackson, of course, the Lone Peak product. I know you have a long history with him, but also Chris Dunn, uh, who has just come on and he's been very, very good. They're both on 10-day deals. Uh, you talk about trading pieces in and out. Do you think either one of those guys, it looks like more like Dunn, uh, could stick around for the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I know that, um, you know, I'm I'm actually here watching guys shoot, and uh, Frank just came out on the floor. But I think Chris Dunn's obviously passed the eye test in the first few games, and I think he, I think he can be in a position to stick around for a bit. Um, it's the one thing that the Jazz have favored. You know, they have a spot, they have some space, and uh, and they can play guys some minutes. So I, I don't know for sure what the – you know, I know Frank's on a 10-day, uh, and I'm not sure beyond that, but Chris Dunn we have seen play, and I think he's played well, so I would imagine he'll probably stick around. How hard is it for a guy like Chris Dunn to really stick around? I mean, we had Ben Anderson on yesterday, and he goes, you know, hey, everyone, don't get overly excited. It's only two games, and, uh, you know – do you you need a bigger sample size, or uh, you talk about some of these guys who came over in the trade uh, at the trade deadline, and and they looked really good um, um, early on, but you know the last game or so, you know maybe not so much. How hard is it really for a guy on a ten day to to really stick and 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 be someone who can contribute long term? Well, I, I like to use the analogy of you know somebody who's maybe doing community radio and you call them up to the bigs, and they're going to host Unrivaled, you know? And really <laughs> you've, got that, you've, got, you've got 10 days on air to make a difference and to get people to – and really it's how you approach it. Um, you know, I come from the school that, you know, say less and do more. That's always been my philosophy. Um, and and I, so I think it's really kind of finding what does this team need in a short period of time? What can I do, you know, within my skill set to, to prolong my, my stay here? And, and then you roll the dice and see how it goes. Now, Tim, obviously you mentioned that you've watched coaches for many, many years. You sat on the bench alongside one of the guys that I respect the most in Coach Rose. You also worked for Coach Majerus, a guy that I grew up rooting for watching those 90s Utes. And uh, you, you mentioned the fact that you watch a guy like Will Hardy and you think he had a plan coming in. He's executed that to, I think, a great level as we all have seen them get to back to 500 here at 31 and 31. What more can Will Hardy really prove this year as a coach, or has he done the work that he needed to do to prove himself? I think coaching is, you know, the, the catch with coaching is, you know, it's not like a like a tech millionaire where you just got to get a company rolling for about nine months and get a bunch of funding and exit. You know, this is this is something where you're laying the groundwork now, and if you're going to be the coach of the team, it's going to be an everyday endeavor. And that's what I've actually appreciated about Will. Um, you know, some guys go about it authoritarian. I think what Will's done is he's come in and he's taken the best of everything he's seen and he's mixed it with his personality. Uh, I see it as collaborative. I see it as a real positive thing amongst everybody. Uh, I see a lot of discourse. Some of it not, you know, always pleasant. And I think that that's part of being on a team. But what he has done is he's, created in my opinion the most important thing a coach can create and that is hope and belief and you guys know i mean we sat the very first game of the year mike smith myself jake scott in the very first segment and we we set the expectation for the year like hey wins and losses are going to be harder to judge like 
we got to look for little wins, you know, incremental, you know, movement in progress of development of guys. Uh, and we really tried to kind of cut it apart and say how hard this year was going to be. And in reality, it's been an enjoyable year. And this team has been so fun to watch. And they've bought in. And I, I just think all the credit goes to the front office for assembling the group. But at the end of the day, Will Hardy's calling the shots with the group. And the, the product itself has just been phenomenal. There's kind of a quirky, um, like, you know, way the schedule rolled out here. So the Jazz are playing the Spurs twice, and then they're playing OKC twice. Mm-hmm. What 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 kind of strategy do you have to implement when you play a team twice like that? I mean, and of course the Jazz just played OKC. It's almost like three times. What what do you do? What kind of adjustments? What kind of strategy do you have so you can, uh, you know, hopefully win both of those games or you know be competitive in in both of the games? Back to back games are always an interesting, particularly against a really good coach. So this will be fun tonight as well as Pop and, and Will know each other. Um, this is going to be one that, you know, some adjustments will be made from the other, from the games prior. And really the first part of the game will tell a lot which team's more comfortable. But it, it, it's important to kind of build on the night before and certainly break down the things that worked and try to figure out how you can get into that more, take out the things that don't work and uh, eliminate them or strike them from your game plan and come up with a couple of tweaks. The one thing about the NBA, you don't have a ton of time, so keep it simple within the scheme of what you do and and roll it out there. Hey, um, I got a question we got asked earlier, and and this is just a general question. Um, It's not, not, it's not about the jazz. It's about the very, who do you think is the very best player that's ever come out of the state of Utah uh, basketball player? Hoops-wise, yeah. Hoops-wise. You, so you want, what, what you want me to do is you want me to make a bunch of people mad. Uh-huh. That, yes, that, yeah. That's what you well, want no, to do. I, I'm just, well, let's just start with it and see where it ends up. Wait, because, wade right into it, Tim. Come on, yeah. embrace your inner PK. Let's go. Well, you know, the guy that I'm watching warm up right now, <laughs> um, to my knowledge, is the only one-and-done guy. Am I right? Yeah, speaking of, yeah, you're yeah. talking of Frank Mr. Jackson. Frank Jackson, yep. yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say that speaks a lot. I mean, but there's certainly wow. been great pros. I mean, uh, Britton Johnson, I'm Alex Jensen, who's down here rebounding, was an unbelievable pro uh, coming out of the state. Certainly the Haas brothers, uh, the Collinsworth, I mean, uh, Jeff Judkins, the Grants, you know, Need I go on? I mean, that's a lot of really good players. Brains and, and Tom you know, Chambers I'll, and Brains and Chambers. Yep, yeah. I'll be damned if I'm going to pick one. So <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with me listing a bunch of names. And I will say, if it, you know, I like to set a metric. The only one and done guy was this dude right here. And I mean, I think he just from the time I saw him, I watched him in eighth grade. I walked out in the parking lot and called Coach Rose, and I said, "This is really going to sound ludicrous, but I think we should offer this kid." And he. He kind of chuckled. He said, Timmy's in eighth grade. I said, okay, he said, can we wait till he goes to school this fall and we'll offer him? So he's a ninth grader at least. Um, so we ended up offering him. But, I, you know, minute, first minute I saw him, he's just heads and shoulders above guys physically, and he just scored the ball at will. Huh. Well, thank you for uh, joining us, uh, Coach. We appreciate it. We're excited to watch the Jazz tonight and the rest of the season. Always love you on the show. and. Uh, Just think very fondly of you as an individual, so appreciate it.
Well, likewise, thanks for having me on. If you need a job, call Spurion. Visit Spurion.com. And uh, check me out. I'm going to be on a high school broadcast this weekend, so check those out. Should be fun. Oh. The semifinals in the state championships. Oh, so where, where are you going to be? Where can we find you? They're up in Ogden this year. Ogden, um, and they are on KJS. The Purple nice. Palace. Awesome, yeah. We'll enjoy that. All right. Appreciate it, Tim. Right. Sounds good. Thanks. See y'all. Hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, but when we come back, it is the old NFL roundup followed by the two-minute drill. It is Unrivaled, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Here we go. Go get it. Let's go. That's it. It's time for the Unrivaled NFL Roundup. Premium grade A NFL news from a former NFL quarterback. And, uh... The other guy on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell here along with Jake Hatch filling in for Alex Carey. Jake is the producer of DJ and PK uh, every morning for here. You're, you're here at what? Zero dark 30 until about. Close enough, yeah. Yeah. Until the sun starts shining, pretty much. Anyways, yep. Jake Jake's putting it in today, and really appreciate it. And then if he does a uh, locked on Cougar podcast along with the Saturday show here from ten to noon on uh, the KSL Sports Zone. So check him out. All those places he does a great job. Um, we're going to give away some tickets, but we're not going to do it right now. Just want to let you know <laughs> we still have one pair of jazz tickets. Not tonight, but. Uh, I believe it's uh, March 18th against the Celtics, so you want to stay tuned to hear when we're gonna we're gonna give away those tickets. Men Remedical is Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic offering ED treatment that is discreet, non-invasive, and customized for your needs. Remedical, renew, restore, reclaim. Visit remedical.com today. Uh, all right, we've got the NFL roundup here. I'm gonna shoot some stories at you, and we're gonna shoot the shoot uh, about. Uh, the NFL here for a minute. We do this all the time, mm-hmm. uh, year round, because that's what we love. We love sports all the time. Well, we love football all the time. Hey, football's always good. Football is life. Yes, it is. Thank you, Danny Rojas. Yes. <laughs> um, so you're, you're speaking of that football. Mm-hmm. You, you're now doing the uh, pre, half, and post analyst and what else are you doing uh, just the host analyst host just, analyst essentially yeah so doing pre and post well, game what, shows what's your what, what's your background in soccer are you, are you a fan you uh, enjoy watching it you enjoy watching it and i can talk halfway intelligently can, about it so they uh, said hey we need somebody to do this jake you want to do that sure why not wait so <laughs> you talk halfway intelligent that's like more than i talk about well, i'm just I saying mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm not even a quarter i don't consider myself i don't consider myself to be like some soccer Guru or savant, yeah, yeah. yeah. You look smart. Well, thank I don't know. You. I appreciate that. I, I know that carries well on the radio. Is <laughs> how you look, but you, you look smart. Just by the way, Jake looks smart on the radio. Everybody, oh, hey, appreciate that. No, but it's fun to do, and we had we had a great first broadcast on Saturday. We'll be back at it Saturday night once again when Arsenal takes on the Seattle Sounders. What did we determine the blowout was in soccer? Three so, nothing, four nothing, yeah. three nothing. So if it's nothing. If well, it's something to nothing, but, like well, even if like, if you have like four one five one, that's okay. a blowout still yeah. too. Yeah. All right, um, yeah, those are no fun. <laughs> An interesting thing happened, and um, I I think this is well, I think this is a big deal. But uh, Brian Johnson has been promoted to the 
Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator position. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, the Eagles, you know, went to the Super Bowl and, quite frankly, really didn't lose the Super Bowl. Like, they they absolutely played well. It was just unfortunate that those are just one of those games where some team has to win and some team has to lose. But Mm -hmm. they they showed up. They represented, quite frankly, I think if halftime hadn't have been a half an hour long or or their ability to manage – Halftime being a half an hour long, yeah, might have been a different story uh, for for them, but uh, certainly, uh, certainly a big deal. So, Brian Johnson, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's well deserved. This guy's had a meteoric rise. We all know that he was such a young offensive coordinator. He's here at Utah, and uh, I to me, he didn't get necessarily the fairest of shakes in my mind, but nonetheless, he has made great impressions around the NFL. There are a number of people saying that had he not decided to stick around with Philadelphia and take that job, he would have had uh, essentially a, a pick, uh, a, his pick of a number of other offensive coordinator positions in the NFL. So he's on his way, and he's going to be an NFL head coach before too long. What about uh, a college football head coach now at that, the University of Utah? Okay, I said this. I actually said this. I was talking with a buddy of mine who is a Utah fan. We we came to the agreement. Brian Johnson is going to become what Andy Reid is to BYU fans for Utah fans. Oh, like the guy that you oh. always are like, hey, yeah. it's been great to have him here. Wow. But I I, I just don't oh. think I don't think BJ's ever coming home. Wow, he'd be great here. He would. He really but, would. But, when you can do what he's doing in the NFL and not to deal with NIL and recruiting and all that stuff, why would you willingly take that on? Maybe, and maybe, and I will say this, maybe the the pull of going back to your alma mater will be too much for him and he will be interested in that, but I just don't see that in the cards right now. I think I think it's probably a lot of where, where you look at yourself and your career sure. and what you want to yeah. get out of it. I, I remember um, having a really weird conversation with Lavelle Edwards at one point. Okay. And he, he said to me, he goes, um, what was Detroit like? <laughs> okay. And I'm like, um, like, well, there were good and bad. You know, the Ford family was great, and they're really good about, you know, the organization. It, you know, they treated the players tremendously. Michigan's a beautiful place, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the fan base is just rabid about the team. Like, yeah. Do you ever want a Super Bowl in Detroit, Michigan? I don't know that oh, people would go back to work ever again. I mean, it'd just be a constant <laughs> celebration. Yeah. And I was I was perplexed by why would you care about Detroit? Uh-huh. And he said, "Well, they wanted to hire me." Yeah. And yeah. it was it was in the height of of his success at BYU. He almost short-circuited and, his run at BYU. And I think he really thought about doing it. And it would have been a massive mistake. It wow. really would it, it, and it would have been a massive mistake because at the time, William Clay Ford Sr., mm-hmm. you know, so so with Brian Johnson, it's really one of those things where you go, what, you know, what do you really want to get out of it? Kyle yeah. has made an amazing career out of being the head coach at the University of Utah, mm-hmm. and that fits him. Like, he didn't want to climb the ladder. He didn't want to move around. He, his family was important. Lavelle was the same way. Oh, yeah. I think Kalani's a lot even that way. I don't, I don't think Kalani would want to. But I don't know that, I don't know that Brian Johnson is or isn't. You know that person. And the NFL can just eat your lunch. Sure. You know, in the in the wrong situation, and when you're like a, a coordinator, mm-hmm. and you're the hot coordinator, right? Because that's the next move for him. Yeah. Then he gets a job, but do you want to go to the Houston, 
you know, text. I mean, it's just you know, you got to kind of get lucky and, and snap into the right spot at the right time with the right the right organization if you're mm-hmm. if you're really going to make hay. And that's exactly it. He he will obviously have to weigh. Okay, when do I make that jump to being a head coach? And the other thing about this, you can't wait too long either because yeah. eventually your shining star burns out. So it be very interesting, but I can guarantee you this: if and when Kyle Whittingham steps down, I don't think it's too long, too far in the future. I think most most would expect that. Brian Johnson probably will interview for that job. I just don't feel like he is ever going to be the head coach at Utah. Yeah, you know, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting with the Super Bowl hangover for the losing team. Is sure. it a thing with? Because the because the Eagles, quite frankly, are really good. The, they're, they're, that they're, roster is stacked. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would I would be surprised if they don't have success. And when you when you have a really good team and you're not going to disrupt a lot as mm-hmm. the coordinator, you know, if he can just kind of keep things in the right direction, um, he he'll become a very very hot hot coordinator down the road. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny one. Yeah. So this whole Daniel Snyder thing. Um, like it, just a lot of demands that he's, um, that he's placing if he sells oh, the, geez. if he sells the Washington commandos, I feel so bad. I can't call them the Redskins anymore. I really do. Cause like there was nothing and no offense to anyone out there, but really there, there was nothing ever offensive to me about that was a great franchise, a great place. And, and, uh. It's just sad where it is today. Well, and the, okay, the situation he has created for himself is now Don Van Nata from ESPN put out a bombshell report once again this morning that he apparently took out a $55 million line of credit without informing his three minority uh, o- uh, minority owners who are obviously supposed to sign off on something like that. Sure. And now apparently Roger Goodell's uh, tied up in this. It could result in bank fraud charges at the federal level. Guess what? One thing that you don't want to mess with the federal government on, money. They will right. get you. Now he also, yeah, he said he wants demands to the, like legally indemnify himself against future lawsuits if he sells per the uh, NFL. And then the coup de gras here. He want he charged the team four point five million dollars to put a Washington logo on his private jet, and oh by the way, charge the football club ten million annually to use it. Well, you know those are just tax. Write-offs and the tax benefits of owning a business. Sure, but it still just looks so bad. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, so I I can see both sides of this, right? Yeah. I really can't. I mean, if he's saying, well, if it's you know putting the logo on, uh, and and kind of having that as advertising, not a lot of people are going to see it on your private jet because yeah. your private jet's going to go in a hangar somewhere more than likely, sure. and only going to come out when you're flying through the air. And you land somewhere, and you're landing not not where the public lands. You're landing where the privates land. Yeah, and that's where no one's going to see. And you go, and you know, some rich buddy of yours goes, "Oh, that's that's Snyder again in his in his you know in his his jet, whatever." I just love the fact that he's charging himself in essence for for the opportunity to yeah. do that. But it just it, it's 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 a uh, it's creative accounting. All <laughs> the rich people do it. Like they're all into this. They oh, yes. they get it. They understand it. He comes I, off as tone deaf at the at right. The, at the, the whole the whole play on this. There's no there's no question about it yeah. that that that's the case. Hey, by the way, Sean Payton uh, said, you know what? It did Broncos won. Nobody would have cared that Russell Wilson had his own office. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Broncos country. That's right. <laughs> you, you, you mean Jake Jake Heaps would still have a job? Jake Heaps would still be in the building. Or, or yeah. so he, so he still has a job. He would be in the building. Still got it. Yes. Yeah. 
See, you got to you have to know when to ask for things, right? Yes. You ask for things when you're you're hot. You know, you don't come show in humble. <laughs> you know, Tim Lacombe, Coach Lacombe said, you know, just under promise and over deliver, and then you get yourself an office. Got to you got to learn these things. Yeah. Hey, folks, guess what it is? It's uh, Win Ticket Tuesday. Be caller number twelve at eight zero one five seven five zone. Win a pair of tickets to the Utah Jazz versus the Boston Celtics on March eighteenth. That's right, caller number twelve eight zero one five seven five zone. That's nine six six three. If you're interested, five seven five nine six six three. All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, traffic is next and upcoming. You're gonna get the old two minute drill along with, I guess, the Jazz pregame show. It's unrivaled ninety seven five the KSL Sports Zone. This is Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. With the access and insight on the teams you're passionate about. I love it, baby. Presented baby, baby, by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell here. Uh, Jake Hatch over there. Jake is filling in for Alex here, who's away on CIA business. That's all I can tell you. Can't, um, wait, can't, wait, can't wait to get his no comment tomorrow. Yes, of course. <laughs> he never tells me anything. <laughs> I gotta go. Sorry. He calls me up at like midnight. I'm, I'm asleep, Alex. I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? You need to check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It is definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac, so go check him out. Jerry Signer Cadillac. I love Cadillacs. Loved them growing up, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, the show has been fun. It's flying by here. Um, we have a thing called the two-minute drill. One of my favorite segments on this show. Uh, would you like me to explain to you Please. what a two-minute drill is? All right. I'll go something like this. Late in the football game, you got to go down the field, kick a field goal, score a touchdown. Don't have a lot of time, so you hurry our show the same way. Still have a lot to talk about, but not a lot of time. So we talk a little bit about a lot of things. Hurry up, finish the show, go home happy because we get a trophy because everyone gets one of those today for participating along with a plethora of desserts that include chocolate souffle, flan from Spain, key lime pie from Florida, gelato from Italy, baklava from Greece, and cake from Walmart. Yes. All right, let's get at it. Uh, apparently, the Pac-12 Media Day is moving to Las Vegas out of L.A. Uh, I guess the next question is, will it be a two-day event? They've only said it's one day currently, July 21st. It's a Friday, but it is going to be in Vegas. So. Yeah. Who's going to stay in Vegas for a day, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, why, uh, why wouldn't you extend this out a little bit? Well, it's it's fascinating This because it's always been in Los Angeles and, of course, a big media market. Sure. Uh, the Pac-12 is losing... Los Angeles. So they're yeah. spurning the two L.A. There's schools. something about George Klievkov in Las Vegas. He just is in love with this. He still lives there. But I'll tell you what's awesome, uh, uh, what was awesome, going to two Pac-12 championship games in Las Vegas, and folks showed up. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it is it is a destination place. Uh, it's a fun thing uh, for the Pac-12. You know, who knows what it means uh, moving forward for the future. Maybe, maybe the maybe – the, Maybe the Pac-12 moves its headquarters to to Las Vegas, um, you know, down the road. I don't know. It's uh, who knows, but the, but they are moving to Las Vegas. Should be a fun one. It, it always is a good time. So Utah's women's basketball 
team wins all of the Pac-12 awards. Well, the two big ones, for the sure. The two big ones, yeah. yeah. Both, uh, yeah, Lynn Roberts, coach of the year, not surprising at all. You make the run like she's made. They're now the number three ranked team in the country. And then Alyssa, Alyssa Peely, the transfer from USC, an absolute sensation this year. She was named Pac-12 Player of the Year, uh, outgunning some very, very good players from that Stanford squad for that honor. Very cool stuff. Very much deserving in both circumstances. So I, I wonder, like, where did this come from? Like, like, did anyone see this happening? And well, Lynn Roberts came on with DJ and PK Monday morning and said, yeah. "To do crazy things, you got to have crazy dreams." So, so to that effect, and yeah. To her credit, she she envisions this. This program won five games two years ago, folks. I, I know. And now they're the number three team in the country, and they're going to be a number one seed. Yeah, and that that's really exciting because you 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 know you get to host the, the games at home, the first two rounds. You're seated to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. You could yeah. seriously, you know, go to the Elite Eight, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and and who knows beyond that, but. Uh, an, an amazing year. I also wonder, does any, you know, we talk so much about football and to some degree basketball, men's basketball, but is, is it having an impact on these, on these women's sports and, and, and other areas? And, um, you know, who knows, but it's, it's certainly, it's certainly, um, I think, a, I don't want to say shocking, but, but it's, uh, it's an unprecedented uh, opportunity I guess, for a great job. Yeah. Uh, apparently, a high school basketball coach jumps in the stands oh, uh, to go after uh, a spectator. So this is this is a coach, uh, I guess uh, Tom Riff uh, goes after after a spectator in the stands during a girls basketball playoff game. Okay, come on. Hey, now. let me tell you, I coach girls basketball, and it's competitive. Man. It is competitive, just, but. Yeah. You don't need to jump into the stands. Well, I've had so many opportunities or times in my life when I wanted to jump in the stands and go after some fans. I actually did go after some fans one time after a, a Detroit Lions fo- football oh, game. Okay, I, I went into. I it's a long story. I'll paraphrase it for you quickly. Went into um, a bathroom in the Silverdome. So. Um, I, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain all of it. And there were four guys and I was Uh, actually going to like fight four guys in a bathroom at the Silverdome after a Detroit Lions uh, football game. (laughs) I had divine intervention interceded good, and I ended up walking away, but I get it, man. It's, it's so frustrating sometimes because you're, you know, as I talked about earlier, you're so competitive and you just you, you want to win. And, and I get that fans are excited and mm-hmm. and they're competitive and they want to win, too. But uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I guess uh, I guess you can't go into the stands. Right. Is that no. the way it is? Yeah. Don't, that You crossed the line there. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to cross another line right here. Um, we're going to end this show so you can listen to pregame with the Utah Jazz right here on the uh, KSL uh, the KSL Sports Zone 97.5. Thank you so much for, for joining, Jake. Thank you, Absolutely. Jeremy, for pushing the buttons. Uh, hopefully, Alex will come back from his assignment. I'm Scott Mitchell. This is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. 
In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.